I'm gonna play, I'll play with you. Today's show. Billy, I love you, I love you, I love you. Howard reunites with singer, songwriter, and five-time Grammy winner, Billy Joel. I love what you've done musically, uh, professionally, and personally. What a human being you are. And I just don't know how to thank you enough. I'm Billy just happy is- to see you.
singing. Uh, starting off the show with a little bit of uh, Billy Zombie. Billy, what would it be like if Billy sang Rob Zombie? Before the mafia. All right. Well, very exciting day today. I'm here in the Miami studios and waiting on Billy Joel, but that's not going to be for a while. You gotta, you gotta hang in there. And I got a big Steinway and Sons piano here for him in case he might want to tinkle. I mean, I'm going to tinkle, but that's back in the green room. Quack, quack. Um, all right. Very nice. This song is in my top five of uh, Billy Joel songs. Miami 2017. All right, guys. Thank you. I was listening to the lyrics and I said, yeah. it's interesting to me how sometimes they'll take something very serious and put it to an upbeat tune. Yes, Robin. Um, yeah. When I write music, that's what I do. I'll take a serious right? topic. And make, yes. <laughs> like yes. Metamucil. <laughs> right. But yeah, remember when I wrote that song about Metamucil and how good it is, how it gets you. What was the, you know, it was an upbeat song, but a very serious topic about moving my bowels. What was that line? Um Hot fiber is my plan. Um, yes. <laughs> something like that, yeah. Anyway, yeah, Billy Joel will be here. And uh, as I said yesterday, I'm very excited whenever Billy Joel comes to uh, the studio. I schlepped my fat tuchus out of my house and uh, got here because he's going to be here. And, uh, you know, listen, this guy, I, mean, I don't have to sit there and give you play his whole catalog. But as I said, uh, everything, first of all, Cold Spring Harbor had this song. 1971. WNBC. And then and then the album Piano Man came out. And, I don't know what it is, and then he had a slew of hits with that thing. On that same album, Piano Man, was uh, Captain Jack, another great song, even though Billy thinks it's boring. Captain Jack will get you high This was music. I mean, come on. Has Billy ever played the Super Bowl? I guess he has. I'm sure he has. Must have. I don't know why he'd even bother with it. you're still... And then after that album, Street Life uh, Serenade came out, and he had The Entertainer on there. He had one of my favorite top five songs, Street Life Serenader, this one. Then he came out with Turnstiles in 1976, and he had New York State of Mind. Angry Young Man, all on the same album. The hits kept coming. Summer Highland Falls. I mean, come on. You, you, I don't even deserve to be in the room with him. I don't know what he's doing here. Dirtbag like me, sitting there with Billy Joel, two feet away with that Steinway piano. How lucky am I? On the same album, Turnstiles, another one of my top five, Miami 2017, which is an amazing song.
That's all. That's all from Turnstiles. I used to think that like maybe Street Life Serenade is my favorite Billy Joel album, but maybe it's Turnstiles. I don't know. Honestly speaking, he's he's so talented. It's kind of sickening, actually. Like, why should one guy have all that talent? Why why can't I have a little bit of musical ability? Well, you think about all those guys who managed to write one hit. Right. And meanwhile, there's Billy just cranking them out and cranking them out and cranking them out. They must wonder why God didn't favor them. Right. Yeah, it's frustrating. Uh, oh, Billy sang the national anthem at the Super Bowl but never played the halftime show. I need to ask him that. Could, write that down for me, guys, because uh, I need to ask him that. I got last night. I was up. Uh, I fell asleep at 8.30, was up by 11, and then for three hours, wrote down every Billy Joel question in my brain. And I have like 3,000 questions, and I have them for about an hour, hour and a half tops. So he's got to answer on high speed. You know how they sped up Cold say, Spring you Harbor? Question high yeah. speed and answer. Have yeah. answers on high speed. Billy, quick, give me an answer to this. <laughs> And, and Turnstiles had this song on it, too. Say Goodbye to Hollywood. And then he decided to write the album The Stranger with Just the Way You Are. Moving out. Scenes from an Italian restaurant. Another great song. Bottle of red, bottle of white. Only the good die young. Then And then he followed it up with the album 52nd Street. With my life, you may be right. Uh, another one of my top five. Good night, Saigon. Unbelievable song. This is all on um, on 52nd Street, by the way. Kind of hard for me to listen to. It brings me back to Vietnam and what went oh, down there. <laughs> I'm, you know what I remember? I was uh, given an assignment with my platoon. All we were given was coordinates. 38, 24, 36. We didn't even know where we were going. We just had those coordinates. 38, 24, 36. I don't think oddly those enough, are even coordinates. Those are coordinates. <laughs> and oddly, the same measurements for Dakota Johnson. Quack, quack. Uh, also, well, anyway, you get the idea. And then the hits, even after that, kept coming. You know, pressure. Tell her about it. Another one of my top five, Down Easter Alexa. Song about fishing. I was always going to write a song about fishing, and I never got around to it. You don't fish. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> anyway, the the dude's just amazing. And um, I'm happy to say we have him. Well, you know, the other thing in. about him, two things that come to, he can write in any genre. That's right, Robin. He, you know, some some of the songs sound like, you know, they were from the 50s some of the songs you know but updated some of the songs you know have the the rhythms and the in the guitar of you know different 
kinds of performers and he still writes an incredible song and he imagines himself you like he's he's got a great imagination even in terms of the songwriting because he wasn't on the down easter alexa well you know uh i'm always a bit of a nervous uh wreck when he comes in because i have so much i want to ask i have these imaginary conversations he's my taylor swift taylor swift you know for the kids but billy is my taylor swift and so a Jolie. <laughs> a, a Jolie. That's what they call us. Jolie. Back in the day. But, uh, you know, Billy is such a talent. And there's so much I feel that needs to be asked. While, you know, it would be like if I, again, I've said this before, if I was living in the time of Beethoven and I had Beethoven on the show and I didn't ask him every question that people needed to hear the answers to, I would be, I, I would be. A, a, a guilty of neglect. I mean, it's, it's, it's an opportunity. You know what I'm saying? And you know, you, you watch shows, you know, whether it's the Kennedy Center Honors or one of these shows where they honor a guy like Billy Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know, it's kind of like the same thing over and over again. You see highlights from his career, but to, to get into Billy's head and to learn about how he writes these songs and what his life is like and what he's thinking about, it's a really, um, unique opportunity. So I, I really take it seriously. So last night, I, I, I came down to Miami after dinner. Dinner being at 4 o'clock. I know, I'm old. And uh, I ate dinner, got in my car. <laughs> what time do you eat breakfast? <laughs> five. You know, you know how it goes. That's so crazy, dinner. I'm exhausted. You see, this is the problem, too. I'm exhausted. When I come to this Miami, I stay in a hotel. When it's, and I'm a pill. As soon as I get into the hotel, I'm like, oh, you know, everything's wrong. Where's my pillow? You know, I mean, I'm like at this point in my life, I'm just a big, I'm a big baby, you know. And so I get in and I made sure like like before I left, I made duty so that I wouldn't, you know, I love my Toto toilet, sprays water up my ass, gets everything out. I don't have to overly wipe. And I'm like, just make a duty before you go to Miami and hopefully you won't have to take another one until you get back. You know, they have now these portable things you can spray yourself with if you have to leave your Toto toilet. I might have to get that. I had a night last night. I get in and right away I feel that, you know, like the Billy song, pressure. I feel that pressure. Uh (laughs) You know, I feel something's (laughs) happening. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to have to go to the bathroom the old fashioned way without my Toto toilet spraying me down. So, uh, thank God my assistant got me my, um, wipes. I haven't used those wipes in a long time. The ones with the, the, the baby wipes. Yeah. Cause I would have been in a panic because I don't know how, how you go to the bathroom anymore without, uh, having, uh, either wipes or having a total toilet to spray water up your ass because, you know, I don't know why the human body is designed this way, but you, and I eat pretty good. You make a duty, and there's always remnants and sticky stuff left in your asshole. It should all just come out. It doesn't, it's not perfect. 
You're supposed um, to be scooting your ass across the floor. That's why. Or maybe you're supposed to be like jumping, you know, because man was designed for cave times. You know, we haven't yeah. improved our bodies. Maybe you're supposed to shit and then jump in a river like they do in India or something. I, mean, the, the, I don't know that the caveman always had a river. Sometimes he was in freezing cold. Oh, really? I thought cavemen all lived by rivers and they beat their clothing <laughs> against the rocks and all that well, stuff. Well, they, they had to go away to find food and sometimes oh. they lost their water supply, you know. Oh, they had to dig for it or something. I made a duty and I went, oh, God, this is a pretty good size duty. But I know I feel all kinds of sticky stuff. I, like there's still half a duty in my asshole. <laughs> crazy. See, the Toto also helps you get everything out, right? I yeah. forgot about that. I said, I'd only go through this for Billy. I was like, oh, I just wish I was home. I could spray this crap out with my Toto toilet and be done with it. The total toilet, I, I, you know, if you have a half a log left in you, you just shoot the water up your ass and it, it, it like burps out the rest of the duty. And I was like, oh, fuck, what am I doing? Only for Billy Joel. So well, you I, better um, look into that travel bidet for your next trip. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe I'll look into that. Yeah, send me a link if you have one. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I'm like, why isn't the whole world at this point equipped? With the Toto toilet. It's just beyond me. Like, that's something America could work on. I really should be president. You think the Congress could get together over the toilet, Toto toilet? No, you want to know something? I don't. I, I, I'm sad to say, Robin, that whenever there's something that America needs now, everything turns into either Trump says to the Republicans, hey, man, don't vote for that because I'll make that my issue. I don't want the country to be better unless I'm the president. I want everything to collapse. They These fuckers can't even pass a bill to support Ukraine. Can you fucking believe it? They had a bill. Money for Ukraine, money for Israel, money for the border. And they, and they, they scuttled it. Because the Supreme Leader told them to. I mean, I don't know what's going on. No, I don't even think we can unite around... Uh, we can't even unite around the idea that Russia is bad anymore and Putin no. is really bad. In the old days, Republicans and Democrats would stand up for the country and they'd say, no brainer. Vladimir Putin's invading one of our allies. Let's go to let, let's help them. These scumbags. Yeah, and you know who they are. They're suddenly on Putin's side. That's a no. That's a no-brainer for me, dude. I ain't voting for you if you're for Putin. I don't want to live in a communist country. I don't want to live in Russia where some dude tells me who who goes ahead and kills people who write an article he doesn't like. Can't even unite around the idea of a vaccine that would stop a pandemic. That's how dumb this fucking country has become. I'm sorry. I mean, if this was World War II when my father and his generation were around. And half of Congress was saying, you know, Hitler's not a bad guy. You know, you got to admire him. He's a strong leader. Hitler's, you know, let's let him invade Poland. Let's let him invade uh, France. Let's let him keep going and fight with England. What do we care about Europe? Yeah. It's it's the same exact fucking thing. Hitler, Putin, the, the Korean dude, all of them. The Iranian dude. You can't unite around saying those guys are bad. Bunch of fucking cunts. I don't know who you're electing. 
I know who I'm electing. But you got to think this through, dude. Fuck. Yeah, I don't know, man. My father's flipping over in his grave. All the World War II veterans are flipping over in their grave. You ain't hoping, helping Ukraine? Israel? I mean, where, where the fuck is going on here? Yeah, I'm telling you, if this was World War II now with this group of characters, oh yeah, let's hear Hitler out. You know, the guy, he's a very strong leader and, uh, you know, he's doing a lot of good. Sometimes you need a strong leader. Yeah, I see Americans saying that. We need a strong man. We need a dictator. Americans, you know, the hillbillies, they, they, they put them on TV once in a while. They trot them out for their opinion. They go to a diner somewhere in Kentucky and they find a bunch of yo-yos sitting and eating a, a five stack. And they go, uh, yeah, we, we need a, a strong leader who will be there for life. This is what they say. You know, Hitler's strong on immigration. He cleaned everything. Yeah, okay. Asshole. He was great. Real good guy. Yep. Had your best interests at heart. Fucking sometimes people don't know how good they have it. They just don't know how good they have it. I'm not saying we have solved every problem in this country. But Jesus Christ, getting up in the morning and not having somebody assassinating a reporter. That's a pretty good country. I'll stick with that. I like a free press. I like being able to say what you want to say. Well, you know, you can think uh, Putin will only stop at Europe if you want to. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> this dude wants to fuck with you. guys want to rule the world. And they want to they attack you through cyber attacks. They want to, I mean, you don't know that Putin's bad? You really don't know that? You really don't know enough about history? That you don't know that dude's a bad dude? Come on, stop it. What do you want? You want, you want Big Daddy? Because you, 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 you don't like freedom of choice? You don't like voting? Good Lord. Yeah, I mean, these guys want to make a decision once and then live with it the rest of their lives. Yeah, we yeah, want a I, president for life. Yeah, well, I told you George Washington is the greatest American there ever was. They wanted to make him a king. They wanted to make him a dictator after we defeated the English. And see, this is why you got to know a little bit of history. And and George Washington said, you fucking schmucks. You're Meshuggah of Toit. If you remember the speech, what he said, he goes, there's something wrong with you. We just fought the British to get our freedom, and you want to make me king, you dick? Yeah. But we got well, now we got a country full of fucking nincompoops. You, you know, you don't have to like the words that come out of the man's mouth, but sometimes in life we all need... A good paddling from the principle to to set our life on the right track. My life's and on this track. Country does need a little bit of that. It, we need a little paddling. I'd like to see the repeal of the Roosevelt law, so that he can be a president for a lot more than four years. But we, this country, needs a dictator. I hate to say that, yeah, yeah. but it's the leave. Truth. Go to Russia. You can't. You can't. Go to Russia now. Leave my country alone. You don't get to vote. We need a dictator. What the fuck is wrong with these idiots? My 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 father and his entire generation. Uh, anyone who fought. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so last night, 
because Billy's here and I came to Miami. So now I'm like, uh, I've got all this duty in my ass. <laughs> so what I do, I wipe down with the wipes. And I, even, I, I had to take these wipes and stick them so far up my ass and I'm still getting duty out of there. I, I remember, I said, you know, that's another thing. I forget how good I have it with that Toto toilet. Rob, my finger is like pulling out to see if it's clean back there. Well, I said, you know uh, what? This is, I'm getting nowhere. I was 10 wipes in. I said, I got to get in the shower with one of those spray nozzles because I had just washed right. my hair. I didn't want to wet my whole body down. Well, I got the spray nozzle until I figured out in the hotel how to work that spray nozzle. I shoved the whole nozzle right up my ass and blew out whatever <laughs> the hell was in there. Oh, boy. I can't wait for the next person to take that room. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I, I was. I had, And I couldn't figure out how to coordinate it. Get the soap in my ass. Get the. They didn't have a bar of soap. They had like a, 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 a lotion. Little... You, a oh, the wet stuff. No, gel. yeah, like a gel. I'm <laughs> slapping gel in my asshole. <laughs> uh, it's unbelievable. It's amazing how I switch from politics to... All roads lead to my asshole. That's it's, it's, <laughs> That and my, my minuscule penis. Oh, God. And I was in... I'm in the hotel and I, they have this beautifully lit bathroom, like bright lights and everything. And then I'm naked with a with a with a uh, apparatus in my ass blowing water up it <laughs> and i look in the mirror and my belly is big i got to get in shape this is i've had enough i'm eating too many i'm eating too many peanuts after my dinner that's where i'm putting on weight i'm taking fistfuls of peanuts and eating them and i said to beth please do me a favor throw out the peanuts so i don't get heavy she goes no you couldn't enjoy yourself i go well then you want a fat husband I look like Gollum. I'm skinny on top and I got a belly. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so then I'm, I, I finally scrubbed myself clean. I'm hoping while I'm here in Miami, I don't have to make another duty. It's a whole project. I'm like, I'm, I'm, and the whole time I'm like, I've got to go. Billy Joel is coming. I, I want to go think about Billy Joel. I don't want to think about my asshole. I tell you, I'm tortured. The duty, it's so messy. How many? I thought you were eating less. You still I making was. as many duties as you Yeah, did. well, because of the peanuts. And I think the peanuts are <laughs> clogging me up. And I got to tell you, too, last night I woke up at 1130. I went to bed 830, be ready for Billy. Oh, God. I get up 1130, wide awake, and my head is, oh, I, the song Honesty is in my head. Honesty is such a, and I'm like, that's such a good song, and it's such a complex song musically. I got to ask Billy about honesty. I got to ask Billy about honesty. He's got to play some of that. And how did he get that echo on his voice? And what kind of microphone did he use? And who produced that song? And I'm like, ah, <laughs> And, and, and then I'm like, and who, and who invented the piano anyway? <laughs> and who, who convinced everyone that the piano was a thing? And Billy must know who invented the piano. And I'm, I'm, my head is on fire with Billy. And I'm writing things down. I'm talking into tape recorders. Yeah, I should get my phone out. Let you hear my my my. I'm half asleep, and I'm so annoyed I can't sleep. Then I go down. There's a, I have a kitchenette in the hotel, and I, I ate a whole banana because <laughs> the only it'll put you know it's got some sort of thing that puts you to sleep in it. And I really? was cursing. Banana has a, a thing. I don't know. I was cursing myself out too because right before I came down to Miami, I threw out a whole bottle of Ambien, 
I said, I don't need this shit. I haven't taken it in 10 years, 15 years. Sure enough, I get down here. I go, where the fuck is that Ambien? Oh, I threw it out. <laughs> what a genius. It was probably expired anyway. Yeah, it, was for, it expired in 2015, and I didn't give a shit. I needed that shit. Honesty. Honesty is such a... Oh, my God. Listen to this. Everyone is so untrue. If you think this is an easy song to play, try it. Honesty. This ain't no two chords. There's minors, flats, B-flats over A-flats. Don't ask what's going on. It's no joke. And my whole head is like swimming. It's like, it's it's, Billy, 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 Toto Toilet. Gotta shit. I have to shit. Honesty is such a lovely word. Oh, my God. Who invented the piano? What's going on? Oh, my ass is dirty. <laughs> Beth is coming. It's Valentine's Day. I got to get this all cleaned up. Room's a mess. Oh, when I looked in the mirror of my body, I was like, oh, what happened to me? I used to have a little bit of a physique. <sighs> it's just horrible. It didn't get any easier either. But anyway, <sighs> I want to thank my assistant for having those wipes there. I was like, boy, she's good. She is good. She knew. Does she, didn't she embarrass pack a me. special bag for you? Or She gets down to my room and uh, before I get there and put baby wipes right by the toilet. Oh, oh so they were already there. Now that's an assistant. That's somebody who is assisting. Assisting is thinking, thinking ahead. I know if you were an assistant, you would not have put baby wipes by my toilet. Howard, that is the job of a nurse, to know what you need before you need it. Well, that's true. So you I were did that nurse. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. All right. I, I take that back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Believe me, that's not an assistant. That's a lifesaver. You're right. That's a nurse. That's right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> well, that's I, why I, we I was like, at those assistants. I was like, thank God for her. I said, you know, you can't put that on a resume, but it should be. I thought about my boss's asshole and made sure he had some baby wipes. <laughs> and that's the thing. I can't ask someone to get me baby wipes. I'm too embarrassed. That's like Gary. I used to, when, he, when I got single, remember, I have to say, Gary, there's an attractive woman on our show. <clears throat> Somehow, you know. See if I can have her number. <laughs> oh, boss, you want her number? <clears throat> <clears throat> Just assume. <clears throat> no, you got to think ahead. <clears throat> you got to think ahead. Well, I that saw those, was what I, Jimmy Iovine said when he was here. Yep, he would just yes. learn... What people needed in the studio to stay there yeah. and do their work. Yep, yep. And I saw that I, it was like, remember when the apes in uh, 2001 saw that monolith coming out? Yeah. And the music's going, and the apes going, they see that stone thing, that whatever it was. They go, why? I, I'm telling you, I saw that baby wipes. 
Ahí está. And finally, somebody's thinking for me. I was like an ape. I was like an ape, Robin. All right, all right. Cut that out. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh. <clears throat> all right, a couple of things I got to mention here because, you know, we're on a short uh, schedule. Billy will get here at nine, and I, I don't want to waste a minute. I want to make sure I get to that. But uh, there's a couple of things. You got to go to howardstern.com. We put up a picture of Dakota. Again, I'm on this Dakota Johnson. I don't know what's going on with this girl. She's so fucking sexy. She's out promoting the movie, uh, Madam Web. She wore a totally sheer. When I say sheer, it, I swear I can see her vagina. And complete asshole. Her whole body is naked. She's Gucci made this thing. This guy. It's like the emperor's new clothes, this thing. It's like, hey, you're on. The, you're, you're, you're standing there naked. And you go, she goes, no, it's Gucci. <laughs> oh, okay. Vagina boozy. Um, boy, oh boy, she's got my attention and she's doing a job that a movie star used to do in the old days. Oh, she's yeah. getting it. She is get. she is. You got to see this picture, Robin, of her and what she's wearing. I'm telling you, it's on howardstern.com. It will not disappoint you. It is basically <gasps> nude. Yeah, there it is. Do you see vagina or not? You see her whole mound, her mom's vernus. But you see her mom's Vernon. Something's going on in that cage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Somehow full nudity is less revealing than distress. And God bless her. I'm telling you, that's what a movie... In the old days, when movie stars had something on the line, when their movies were coming out, they would do anything to promote that movie. And I, I you know... The movie is not getting great reviews. Who cares? I'll go see it. I'll actually go to a fucking theater. She's well, wearing that. She's, she's making that movie uh, critic proof. <laughs> she is something else. God bless her. What an outfit. Go look on HowardStern.com. Don't crash the site. What is it? Howard, uh, it it's what? on our Twitter account. It's on our Twitter account, not on the website. Well, you told so, me I, the website. No, you, at uh, Stern Show. No, you told me the website. No. Why don't you have it on the website, though? Because we don't own the picture, so the easiest thing, the easiest, best, fastest oh. way to get this out was to retweet it on our Twitter account. Yeah, but well, uh, she wants see all that the out there. Okay, oh, I retweet. Know. I, retweet right, it so at how do you, Stern how Show. How do you say it, Jason? Cut the shit. <laughs> Twitter, at Stern Show. Pictures right. are right there. Right. Twitter, and it's X. No, yeah, it's Twitter. It Twitter. Fuck it's that. I'm not, yeah. Call it Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it's Twitter. Yeah, Trust it, me. I'm not calling it X. That's bullshit. <laughs> and don't go to howardstern.com never go there evidently uh <laughs> we don't want you there right we don't want you there we want you on twitter x <laughs> but boy does that girl know how to promote a movie she was on seth uh seth uh no not seth mcfarland come on robin seth she was on oh, seth myers. myers 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 that's what i just said myers <laughs> she was almost naked on there and then she came out more naked on the red carpet. Well,
tell you, some of these actresses today, they dress like they just got off the Mayflower. They got, you know, they're, they're Puritans. I, I mean, or the flying nun, you know, they're, they're I tell you, you know, I, I remember I was excited. Emily Ratajkowski was coming on the show, the one who was naked in the, um, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the video. The Robin came in here. video. Yeah. She came in here. I, I'm telling you, I've seen nuns wear less clothing. <laughs> And then that Anita, who is a sex pot, she was wearing a tracksuit. Yeah. Looks for like some she was reason. For a run. <laughs> I was thinking, she, Anita's on here telling me she tattooed her butthole and yet she's wearing a tracksuit. When Emily Ratajkowski was on, she didn't even wear a low cut. I said, oh, you've joined the nunnery, Sister Ratajkowski. <laughs> Let me have five Hail Marys. Alex Earl, too, came in, a young influencer in a bikini in every picture. She came in. I mean, uh, anyway, uh, there you go. I, I mean, but this Dakota Johnson knows what she's doing. I mean, I've never seen pictures like this. First My of all, she's exploding. staying away from here, and then she's showing it all. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, women come in here, and they're all covered up. I think it's me. I'm pretty sure. When, 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 uh, when uh, Alex Earl came in, she was wearing... Three sweatshirts, not one. <laughs> Three. She took off her sweatshirt because it was hot in here. She had two more underneath it. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Oh. Uh, let's go to Jeff. You're on the air. What's up, pal? Hey, uh, hey now, Howard. How you doing, bud? All right, pal. Hey, just checking to see how you made out with that Paramount Plus app. If you, uh, oh my God! Or what? Don't let me tell you something. Don't even get me started. You got to fucking hear this. So the whole time I'm driving down from my house to Miami, which I told you it took me about two and a half hours. I was on the phone with John Hine talking Billy Joel. We were going over notes and ideas and all kinds of stuff. Billy Joel, Billy Joel, Billy Joel. So finally, I'm about two hours in. I got a half hour. I said, I know what I'm going to do. I need to fucking chill. I need to reward myself here. I'm going to go on the. I had downloaded all of Halo on Paramount Plus. I'm on episode eight. I can't get past episode eight because I'm cock blocked by that <laughs> fucking app every time I try to watch this thing. Well, listen to this. So I'm in my car, downloaded, all set to go. I go on the Paramount Plus app, the mighty Paramount, you piece of shit. <laughs> I. Put this thing on. A black screen comes on, Robin. Yeah. Black screen. Nothing. Can't get the Paramount logo. I go, well, what the hell is going on here? I try it again. I try it again. I try it again. Now, mind you, this is on my iPad. Uh-huh. When I'm home watching it on my TV through Apple TV, the Paramount Plus app plays a trailer behind the sound from a trailer behind every episode. So I can't watch it there. I said, I'll right. watch it on my iPad. There's a place I can watch it. 20 minutes go by. I cannot get on the Paramount Plus app with a download. This company, shame on them. I, I mean, I've worked for Paramount. I've released books through Paramount. Movies. But what the fuck is going on over there with their app? It is a piece of shit. And I'm not and the only one. they wonder why they can't make money. Well, you should see what people are writing me. They want me to run for president to fix the Paramount app. <laughs> uh, Paramount Plus. Uh, 
uh, you know what? I want to say to all my fellow Paramount Plus app uh, people, I think we should do the following. We should go down to Paramount and have like a January 6th type situation. Oh, my goodness. Who are you uh, overthrowing? <laughs> I don't know who runs that joint. Who runs Paramount? But anyway, listen, don't overthrow Paramount. Their logo is a mountain. A mountain is shit. I don't know what yeah, happened mountain, to that company. You can't get up. You're trying to get I'm up that you. mountain. You can't get up there. Imagine I lead the people as we storm Paramount. <laughs> no, but 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 I'm really not alone in my anger. Um, I have received tons of email from similar frustrated people, and the internet I've now researched is flooded with people complaining about the app. People on TikTok are more pissed off at Paramount Plus than I am. I thought I was the only one. Listen to this, Paramount Plus. You suck! This is like the 15th fucking time my TV is frozen trying to watch this fucking game! I don't know why I keep trying to use the Paramount Plus app. This is ridiculous. And at this point, I think I'm just doing it out of some sort of masochistic desire. Paramount Plus? More like Paramount sucks. Google, what the fuck is wrong with Paramount Plus? And it tells See? you, oh, delete it, redownload it, oh, troubleshoot this, troubleshoot that. <clears throat> Y'all yeah. shit is obviously so fucked up, you can fix it. I literally have to get up and unplug the fucking TV every time because yeah. you freeze the entire goddamn thing. Seriously, Paramount, Paramount, be more useless. I'd rather go to hell than to use Paramount Plus. I'm McDonald's with you, bro. Ice cream machine works better than this shit. It's criminal for this app to it charge is. anybody money. How is I this am, legal? Sir, I am going to lead a revolution. I'm going to run for president. <laughs> oh, here, the guy, well, I, they, I don't know who runs that joint. I don't care. But you got to do your job, dude. You you ought to use your own app, you fucker. I'm with these I people. Wonder I wonder why like you're it, all though. still using it. I'll tell you why. I want to see Halo. That show is that good. And I just want to watch it. I just want to watch it. Can someone tell me how to see this thing? I'm on episode eight. Make Paramount great again. The head of Paramount is the head of Jeff. The head of Paramount is on the phone. I have to hang up on you. What's going on, sir? Hey. I said that about Paramount Plus because I can't get on there. I'm telling you right now. Fuck you, fuck you, you fat bastard. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. Yeah, okay, you laugh it up. I'm telling you, you got to fix that thing. <laughs> yeah, good for you, fat fuck. Oh, uh, again, making fun of my weight. Just put on a few pounds, an extra 10. Um... What's the point of putting all that money? I bet you Steven Spielberg is pissed. What's the point of putting all that money into a production so no one can watch it? Yeah, what's I'm the, trying what's to figure the point? out if, if, if people want to see Halo that badly, it must yeah. be good. And they're still trying to get through all the crap of trying to get the Paramount Plus app. It's, hmm. it's, I don't know if that's good advertising or bad well, advertising. Uh, I'll give Paramount a good place to start. So I'm sitting in my car. Now I'm down to 10 minutes of relaxation time. Yes, yes. I went right over to the Netflix app. And God bless Netflix, net, whatever the fuck it is. I, <laughs> and I know the guy who runs that joint. Yeah, he's not getting overthrown. <laughs> I got, yeah. I, I'm telling you, Ted Sarandos, uh, 
Robin is going to blow you. That's how good Netflix is. I'm sitting in my car. You have to, Robin. Stop it. No, but seriously, I'll blow him because if you won't blow him, I'll blow him because um, I tell you, I put the Netflix app on right on. It's there. I, any show I wanted to watch. And Download you know what? your on. You Here's got the sad 10 thing. minutes. You could use your 10 minutes. I had 10 minutes. I didn't know what to watch. I said, let me watch something I watched already. So I watched American Assassin. What uh-huh. a movie that is. It's fantastic. In the first five minutes, this guy's wife is killed by terrorists. And he's pissed. John Wick pissed. And this kid's the, he's the size of a beanpole. I mean, he, he doesn't even look like he could kick anyone's ass. But oh sure boy. enough, he, he goes he into fight. the gym. He starts doing mixed martial arts. Starts uh, shooting things with uh, the range. CIA takes note. They're like, look at this fucker. Let's recruit him. And uh, the fun begins. Now, I had seen the movie. I don't already, know you. why they haven't done a sequel to that. It was such a good movie. Well, don't put it on Paramount Plus if they do make a <laughs> sequel. Just put it on any other streaming service. The other ones seem to work. You know. American Assassin. Oh, Michael Keaton's in it, too. I couldn't believe he showed up in this thing. Guess he needed the work. But uh, he was good in it. I loved it. Anyway, uh, yeah, so don't bring up the Paramount Plus. I, I give up on that app. I'll never see the end of, uh, uh, of Halo. Katy Perry's told Jimmy Kimmel she's going to maybe leave. I think she's hinting that she's after this season she's going to leave American Idol. Now she didn't Mark. hint. Kimmel. She said, I, I, uh, this is going to be my last season. If they come up with the moolah, she'll have more seasons. Because quite frankly, she's fun to watch on there because she wears hot outfits, like weird outfits and stuff. And now she's skinny. I don't know what she did, but uh, maybe she did Ozempic. I don't know. I have a... I have a list well, I'm going to read to you. she did have a baby, Howard, in the midst of yeah, American but, Idol. I know, but I'm just saying, she's real. her body's smoking. And she dances, you know. They was dancing yeah. to get back into shape. And she likes showing it off. Like, she'll wear, like, a cheerleader outfit on there. Or, you know, like, like, like a thing where, like, it looks like you're just wearing panties. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> hey, are you wearing your panties? No, it's Givenchy. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure Givenchy uh, got you to wear your panties on TV. <laughs> I don't care what you tell me, but I like it. Oh, my God. I can't believe what I'm reading. The first season of Halo cost $90 million to produce, and they can't wow. get it on. Wow. Uh, John in Illinois, you're on the air. Yes, John. Oop, that's not John. Uh, John, Yes. Uh, I'm watching Paramount Plus right now. I have no problem with it at all. Where do you You're live? at home? Uh, yes, I'm at home. I'm near Chicago. I'm going to put you on hold. Can I come over your house if I fly <laughs> in <laughs> and watch this uh, Halo? Thank you. All right. Please hold the line. We'll get your address, okay? All right. Thanks, Howard. All right, thank you very much. I'll be over, like, next week. I'll, I'll fly out after the John Cena interview. Oh, good. I'm going to, uh, it's good. I'm going to get to see Halo. I'm going to fly over to John. Yeah, you just you know. have to travel. Uh, it's I just have to go to Chicago. To way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Katy Perry says she's leaving American Idol. Didn't make much sense, though. She says because she wants to go to Brazil and do a concert there, but that's like one day. 
you know. Well, she said yeah. these things, you know, the American Idol schedule gets in the way of her doing oh, these other things the... she wants to do. How long do you think you will do this uh, American Idol, this show? Is this for as long as it goes? Will you go with it? Well, you know, actually this fall in September, I'm going to be doing this huge. If she leaves, they should get Dakota Johnson to be a judge. I don't even Whether care she that... knows anything about music or not. Well, she fucks Chris Martin. I mean, she must know something. She must have learned a thing of two. Music festival in Brazil called Rock and Rio. Okay. Yeah, I've heard um, of that. Yeah. It's really exciting. And so... You guys haven't been to it. Stop. <laughs> it's a big deal. It's a big deal for people all over the world, especially for my Brazilian fans. But um, I think this probably will be my last show, my last season for Idol. I mean, I love... I, I've done this at the reality show thing. You know, I did America's Got Talent. It's a negotiation. It's smart. All right. So you think she'll be back? She'll be back if they pay her enough. What it is is she, you go, I'm not coming back again. So if the season like kind of sucks and you don't have any ratings, you, in the press you look like, hey, I was leaving anyway. Yeah. And then uh, if, it, if it turns out to be good, then you're like, hey, better pay me some more dough or I'm leaving. <laughs> I think they need her. Lionel Richie, I got mad respect for him, but he's not, you know, he's not all that exciting to watch. And that country guy, I never even heard of him. And you know, he keeps saying the same thing over and over again. He's like a robot. I think you need a, you know, a wild card like Katy Perry. So I think they ought to try to hold on to her. Yeah, that's the only one you actually see quoted from the show. And Yeah. You know, she makes plus, the news. Plus, she has the snap and gyro. And we like that, us guys. Well, I don't know why she gets the news, but she definitely is always being written about every episode. <clears throat> uh, new season of SWAT, I'm going to be watching that, begins Friday night on CBS. Love that show. How did all these shows just take over CBS? FBI, FBI International, I FBI, blah, 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 blah. All three, <laughs> I can recommend, wholeheartedly, I can recommend all three FBI's. They, they don't have, I wish all of CBS was just FBI. That's how good it is. That's what it seemed like to me. I was watching this promo. I said, everything's FBI. The new full season of Life and Beth is available on Hulu this Friday. That's the Amy Schumer. Um, I really like that show. Michael Rappaport's in it too. A friend uh -huh. of the show, Michael Rappaport and Michael Sarah. Uh, very good show. Uh, it's funny as fuck. I love it. Um, Amy Schumer, if you're a fan of her. Look at this. Color Purple is streaming on Max on Friday. I think I saw that like 25 years ago, Color Purple. No, they just made a new one, Howard. It's a musical, a musical based on the Broadway show. What a stupid idea. They put music in the Color Purple. That was a good, that was a good movie. You mean they, they break out singing in the middle of the movie? Uh, I guess I have. Oh seen. my God. I think that must have tanked, right? Nobody went to see that. That is a dumb idea. The Color Purple was about as perfect a movie. Didn't Steven Spielberg direct that? Yes. Yeah, it was amazing. Oprah was in it. It was amazing. Well, Oprah produced this one. Yeah. So, so Oprah made another Color Purple? Like, there's no yes. other movie to make? No. So Oprah can only make one movie. Oh, she, she keeps making Color Purple. Color Purple. <laughs> so I know what we'll do. We'll do Color Purple, but people will sing in the middle of their misery. Wow. I heard she's working on a new project called The Color Purple. <laughs> <laughs> she's sitting at home. She can't come up with a better project than putting music to The Color Purple. Hey, wait a second. What am I knocking her for? Private Parts, the musical. 
I could get Giamatti. <laughs> That's what people are doing, Howard. Oh, uh, I see here. Oprah is working on color purple in space versus Godzilla. Color purple <laughs> versus Godzilla. Godzilla goes back in time and uh, invades color purple. Holy mackerel. I might do private parts of the musical. That'd be pretty good. Pig virus. Pig virus. You're driving me crazy. I had a dream that one day I'd be on the radio. I was a poor boy from Roosevelt, Long Island. I grew up downtrodden. But pig virus is making me nuts. He says WNBC. WNBC. Wait a minute. They fired Robin. We've got to get Robin back. We've got to get Robin back. We've got to get her to WNBC. Lesbians are the way I can make a living. Lesbians are the future. Wait a second. I'm in a hot tub with Fred. What's he doing in the hot tub? I'm fart man. I shouldn't be in a tub with Fred. Stinky Fred. Uh, I tell you, I could write this in my sleep. <laughs> Don't. You got anything a little more upbeat? I'm making a movie of my life. Don't give Fred any lines. Keep him quiet. He'll ruin the movie. Yeah, I'm feeling good. The ratings just came back, Robin. And we're number one in New York. I'm going places, Robin. I hope you're coming with me. Yes, Howard, I am. I love you so much. Oops, I shouldn't have said that. It's okay. Hey, Robin, look who's here. Kilbasa queen. She's going to swallow a 12-inch kilbasa. Our ratings are going to go through the roof. The key is kilbasa queen, nudity, and lesbians. Sit on the radio and have an orgasm. Uh, we're going places. We're going straight to the top. My father called me a moron. He said I'd never succeed. But here I am on WNBC. And I'm a winner. What? They're firing me. I'm a loser. My father was right. Uh-oh. But I'm telling you, Robin, this thing writes itself. Oprah's on to something. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. I better take a break. I'm going to... I have a headache from singing that. Um... <laughs> Uh, we'll be back right after. Oh, yeah, oh, Jesus. You can't even take a break around here. Let me tell you something really important. Uh, Mando. Oh, no. Scratch that. Zip Recruiter. <laughs> I need to take a nap. I've been up all night thinking of Billy Joel questions. Uh, let's go to Hector in California. How are you, Hector? 
Hey, good morning, Howard. How are you, sir? Uh, it's a good morning. We got Billy Joel coming in, so I'm excited about that. What's up? Well, you know, Howard, uh, I've been meaning to call for a long time, but I think today was the perfect day. I'm on my way to LAX to fly out to Newark to visit my son. Uh, he uh, married a, a Jersey girl, beautiful uh, family. But anyways, the reason why I call, Howard, uh, I heard your interview with uh, Bruce Springsteen, and uh, I saw the uh, special on HBO, and uh, it kind of resonated with me because, uh, and I'm only going to share what I'm going to share for context, but I was in the Marine Corps from 78 to 82, and in 82 to 2015, I was a officer with the LAPD. And um, in 1986, uh, Bruce uh, played a few dates at the uh, Coliseum in L.A. And uh, my partner and I were assigned to shadow him. And uh, so we followed him around, uh, you know, to and from. And uh, I just got to say, what a down-to-earth, uh, you know, blue-collar guy. Uh, and to you... Uh, just thank you. I've been listening since the early 90s. I'm a big fan. And uh, I, I love the way you uh, speak uh, about the military and uh, law enforcement. And uh, God bless the military. Know. God bless law enforcement. These, these are the people who protect us. Uh, most people are pussies. You know it. I know I'm a pussy. Uh, I'll say it. I'll say it. <laughs> I'm not half the man you are, Hector. I'm not half the man you are. I know that. No, you're no, a man. You're a man. True. I'm not. I'm with. I'm half half a man. Whatever that is. No, I'm, I'm like I've a snail compared to you. I mean, sitting <laughs> talking on the radio. Who cares? What you do is protect the herd. You well, thank, should be. Thank you. you should be get more pussy than anybody. <laughs> I'm more than a rock star. Thank you. You're That's what I'm saying. Pussy? What is? <laughs> yeah, you should have pussy. Not uh, listen to me. And you're right about Bruce. There isn't a more down to earth guy than Bruce or Billy Joel, for that matter. And and uh, believe me, Robin should be dating you, Hector. She's sitting and dreaming about all these movie stars, <laughs> fantasizing about. Uh, uh, Orlando Bloom. <laughs> you, she should Orlando be with you. Bloom. Like, yeah, yeah. Bloom. <laughs> Who is he? Yeah. <laughs> Big dick energy. <laughs> All right. Hector's a man, and God bless you. And yes, absolutely. You're a Marine. You're in law enforcement. Uh, I know, you know, people are wise asses, but the second they get in trouble, they ain't calling Orlando Bloom. They're calling Hector. <laughs> When the, when the, when bombs start flying, I'm going to Hector's house, and Robin's going to be in Hector's bed. Believe me, <laughs> if she's smart. All right, thank you, Hector. Please massage my you. breast. Yeah, exactly, Robin. <laughs> Hector, you hear what Robin just said to you? <laughs> Please no, massage my breast. Right. This guy. This is the real equalizer, not. Um, Queen Latifah. Queen Latifah. <laughs> Queen Latifah. Hector. Hector should be on the equalizer. <laughs> well, thank you, Howard. And, uh, How know, many men have you killed in your life? To brag a little bit. How many men have you had to kill in the, in the in the service of our country? You know, sir, that's something that, you know, we really don't discuss, but or I don't feel comfortable discussing. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. It's either that. Ah, that's the right answer. We don't give exact numbers. But you go listen. I don't have as many. I don't have as many kills as you, uh, Howard. I 
killed a lot of men in my life. Of course, in the service I, of I my country. Service in, I, heard you, I heard about your service in Vietnam. When I was in Vietnam, they sent us on a mission. I In one mission, I had 752 confirmed kills. <laughs> I took out three villages. What did the other guys do? <laughs> Nothing. They all stood around. They were a bunch of cowards. I've killed, Boy, and I'm going to be, I, I'm like, unlike you, I'm going to brag a little. I've killed 10 men and 8,000 women. <laughs> in my service. Well, You're a mess. Yes, I was on a, I was on a, I was on a mission. They'd given us the coordinates, 38, 24, 36. <laughs> we went to that village and there we found many women and they were the enemy. But you under thank you, Hector. You're 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 a true uh, patriot. Thank you. Well, this is the guy who listen. And by the way, where did you serve, Hector? Where what where where were you in Afghanistan? Uh, no, sir. I was in between. Uh, I wound up in Beirut in uh, 1980, shortly after All right. uh, they bombed the barracks in Beirut. This guy went to where they were bombing the barracks. Now let me explain something. The reason he went and fought so you could vote. Not to hand your country over to somebody who wants to be a dictator, you fuck. I mean, wait, wait, this guy fought so we can vote. Let me ask you something. Uh, do you like Vladimir Putin? No, sir. He's uh, old school KGB and, you know, kind of like Thank you. You know, the uh, part of the uh, fall of the, the Berlin Wall. and Yeah, you don't walk around Soviet saying... Union. You don't walk around praising him, do you, or, or supporting him invading Ukraine? You don't do that, do you? Not at all, sir. And, and because of the service, like you said, I'm, I'm, I don't understand uh, what's happening to our country. I don't either. I, really I, don't. I, I don't understand it. Someone's got to explain it to me. I asked Robin to explain it. She, she has no explanation. She's busy. <laughs> all right. Listen. Thank you, and, Hector. And my son, and my son is uh, currently serving. He's a lieutenant commander in the uh, U.S. Navy. What and, a family. Uh, what a family. He's continued, he's continued I our, our tradition of service since World War II, sir. So thank you. Listen, you got to go. You're a real man. You got to go to our Twitter account and see these pictures of Dakota Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to go out of your mind. I've never seen a sexier woman. I got to send this guy a prize. Uh, J Jason, what do I have in that, that fucking uh, prize closet of mine? There must be something good. Come on. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, we always have lots of good stuff. Hold on. What do you, got? What do you got? Now here. Let's look. Should I go for the first thing on the list or should I pine through this looking for really good stuff here? Um, Jason, you should blow this guy and his whole family. That's what you should do. <laughs> Come over here. <laughs> 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 uh, how about this? A little Sal and Richard penis plaque is a wood cur carving oh. uh, plaque. It's a Hector, wall hanging of Sal and Richard. Uh, I'm going to send you a Sal and Richard penis plaque. It's a one of a kind. All right. Thank you. <laughs> hold the line. Please hold the line. I got to get rid of this stuff. There he is, Hector. I love Hector. God, that's the kind of guy I would be friends with if I had friends. And you should, too. All right. Anyway, uh, I do. Plaque. After yeah, all this that man has done. <laughs> oh, he'll love it. You haven't seen it. By the way, many people wrote me. Um, I, I want to share some of the, the mail that I received. And uh, this is a serious topic. Uh, the topic of Ronnie and his thank you cards. Ah. Uh, many fans agree that Ronnie mass-produced wedding thank you cards were bad form. 
And you know, I you know, I know Ronnie takes it. Ronnie needs guidance in life. You know, I try to help him. When people he didn't call you about this, he lives far away from me now. Yeah. If I if he would have been my driver still, I would have said, Ronnie, get a little class. Somebody gave you money. You write him a note. And the reason you write him a note is not only to say thank you, but so that they also get confirmation that you got it. And the, the, you know, in other words, gee, I wonder if Ronnie but I sent Ronnie also a little bracelet for his wife. Blah, blah, blah. Did he get that? You know, thank you for the bracelet. Thank you. So 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 the people get back an inventory of what uh, you appreciate. Howard, I cannot express how great that whole Ronnie segment was. Ronnie deserved a dressing down for those cards. I wasn't dressing him down. I was pointing something out. He got all heated. Fred was on top of his game with the puppet. I love when all of you yell at each other. More, more, more. (laughs) This is very harsh. Ronnie has no class. Wedding gifts should get a personal thank you note every time. This is Etiquette 101. Absolutely. I wasn't doing it to come down on my man. I was trying to educate him. You know, I very few people realize this. I used to run an etiquette school before I got into radio. <laughs> wow. Miss Manners, heard of it? There was also a large group of listeners that thought we were being a little harsh with Ronnie. Uh, printed cards are fine. It's the thought that counts. You guys need to relax. Oh, come on. That's classless. Poor Ronnie. He sent out thank you notes, then gets bashed. He didn't send out thank you notes. He sent out a card, a generic card. Appreciate the fact you got something for attending it all. Ronnie inviting people to his wedding is thank you enough. People complaining about the thank you notes have too much free time on their hands. Hell, maybe you're right. I know that handwriting a card takes time out from tweeting on Titty Tuesday. I couldn't believe in that discussion yesterday that Ronnie said Robin was a better friend to him than I am. I really consider <laughs> I myself. I you would go home and think about that. I consider <laughs> myself. Look at this email. This guy, Ronnie, is a monster. Signed, Vladimir Putin. <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, after the show, Ronnie was on fire and went off on JD. He was lashing out oh, at poor did. JD. For some reason, JD he seems... Didn't even anything oh he thinks that jd was the one who wanted to bring the card up on the air and ronnie gave it to him good here you go yeah thanks for stirring it up jd i didn't stir up anything jason was the lead shit stir on that uh ronnie just you know yeah but he didn't come on and you know say he was part of it he came on eventually when the when the pile yeah started. well yeah of course yes. well you know jd has to, had to start it and then i didn't have to, how did i start it i didn't start it you said you you were the one who said no, I didn't. Oh yeah, I would, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you, I'm part of that too. I'm part of it. No, I didn't. I said I'm not part of it. All right, I'm getting off here. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, well, look, he can't take it. He leaves. Can't take what? Did you stir up the shit? I didn't stir up the shit. That's what you get for hanging out with Blitz so much, Ronnie. I did not shit, do anything. Become a shit starer. Ronnie's a little bit right there. JD was in on it. Ronnie was right. Ronnie, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. You were not. I did not. I said I got the card, and that was it. I had no issues with it. All right. 
You still mad at right. JD, Ronnie? No, no. I'm not. Ma- I'm not mad at anybody. To be oh, honest good. with you, I yeah. heard you. I'm not. I'm not mad. All I got to say is, and, and you know, take it the Go way ahead. you want it from me. You know. Go ahead. Because yeah. according to you, I'm a fucking. I have no class. No, all this no, no, no. You have no, class. No, no, no. You're my buddy. I don't, I don't want it. None of sometimes this. I, sometimes, sometimes you teach me. All sometimes I, I want to say. All I want to say is. <laughs> You you guys could shit on me all you want. Go ahead. I, I'm used to it. It I, I've been here long enough to take it. Oh. After the show, so Stephanie goes to me, "How was the show today?" She always asks me. I go, um, "Right, oh, right, right. It, was, it was just fucking great, you know." <laughs> so she knew obviously something went down. She goes back right. and she listens to the replay. Oh dear. Oh, and all I got all I got to say for her, speaking That's, for her. Go ahead. Okay, is that. Whoever is not happy, go ahead with the card with the card that they got, and they're upset about all the money they spent coming to the wedding. Right. Okay, look, guys like Jason who complained and Chris Wilding and Jason putting up, um, you know, uh, polls to take on the internet and all this kind of shit. Well, I was we were right, we were wrong. You know what? Get in touch with us off the air because I know you spent a lot of money. We will be gladly sent you back oh. your gift. Wow. Wow. We will gladly send you back your gift. Jeez, that's Anybody a big announcement. In the office, the angry people. I want, you know, all these supposed angry people in the back office. Be my guest. Get in touch with us. We will send you you know, we'll send you back your. Don't you uh, think? Don't you think I should have gotten a personal note? Because I'm pretty sure I. Dude, spent if you need to find your if you open your fucking, if you open your fucking mail, maybe you would I'd know if you it got late. it or not. I and didn't then get the it other yet. thing, the other thing, the, I got a personal that, note too. The other thing that J, you know that Jason said that he had to go do homework. You know, with with uh, you know with looking at the pictures. Don't look at the pictures. Throw the fucking thing in the garbage. Okay. I don't give a shit. She tried to do everything she could to make uh, this wedding perfect for everybody. Can I ask okay? a question? Just please. so you know. Okay, Brent, I hear you. Don't fucking call me and ask me if you can interview it because she will not talk to you. Okay. Fred is emailing her now. He just wants to know should he email her or you because he, he wants his money back. Uh, Stephanie. <laughs> Just call oh, to Stephanie directly? Yeah. Yeah. Email and Stephanie or text her. Everybody's got her number or whatever. Does it include airfare as well? All the angry people like, you know, <laughs> Samantha spent $1,000 on a babysitter. I understand that. Fine. You she know? can get the 1000 back? To, not the 1000 No. no just the gift. Want you, we will send you back your gift. No problem. With interest? You want interest? I'll give you fucking interest. I don't care. I, we will send you back your gift. <laughs> Wow. And I'm not trying to be a dick about it. I'm being honest. Because wow, I think you're being a little uh, sensitive. No, I'm not this being sensitive. Because brrr. now they feel terrible about their. I don't, no, their I don't want to feel terrible. I'm just going. No, I'm, I'm telling talking you, about you. I don't. I'm want telling you, to you how feel she awful. felt. How she spent well, ten fucking months putting this shit together. Yeah. How much she did to make it about the people that were coming, not about us. By the way, the people that were coming. All right, all right. Calm down. By no, the way, your, I'm, I'm your buddy... I'm just putting that statement out there. Anybody? All right, we heard it. There are people writing right now. Good. Writing I what? Hope I hope you do. Fred is do. writing. <laughs> Wants his gift back. Fine. Dear Ronnie, I want my money. 
Anyway, I think you're getting a little too sensitive just because. No, I'm not getting sensitive. People like I are said, saying you can they would have appreciated. It's this is oh, a gr- this. Stop hey, it! It's not stop about me. Stop it! It's not He's about, about me because Stephanie's upset. Well, of course, it's not about it's not well, about it me. Easy. It's about it's about her. You know, this was a well, very Mike, special deal. She did this all on her fucking own. I was just sat back and, okay, you want me to stuff right. some envelopes? You want me to do this? You want me to do that? A I'll lot of people up, get married and throw a wedding. We understand that. Yeah, okay. No, but People said they own. enjoyed the wedding. Yeah. Some well, people said they yeah, were expecting obviously a hammer. Obviously, they didn't. It all comes out, in the, you know, in the wash. Oh, nobody <gasps> said that. Over a now stupid fucking thank you card. Which, you know, we didn't have to send the fucking thank you card. Let's put no, it No, you way. don't have to send anything. We didn't but have it's to a send shit. Thing. Okay? No, we're not well, classy, Mike obviously. Perlman, we're assholes. I didn't say that. Oh, boy. Whoa. I think that this has gone far enough. Well, the no. fun is over. We're just no. having a discussion whether you should send a handwritten note. Yeah, some discussion should. on the fucking internet is a real discussion, man. Oh, up a come on. That's what the show is. Ask Jason yeah, after his that. wedding. Fine. Like I Ask, said, dude. Wait a second, Mr. Sensitive. Jason, no, what happened after Mr. your Sensitive wedding? Mr. Sensitive me, dude. What happened after the wedding with your wedding? After my Brutal. wedding, I got we plenty went of crap. My Let Jason finances. talk. We went through my finances. Uh, in detail on the air, and for okay. years afterwards, I'm having people throw that in my face. Oh, did you pay your wedding off? Oh, Howard was right. You should have gotten this. You should have done that. I well, look at Mike Trainer. He went and paid fifty dollars for a gift. He got his balls busted on the air. Oh, and we dragged the Wiki's down. wedding through yeah, it too. We're just turning no Wiki yeah, too. Don't turn just my calm don't down. turn this shit on me now. Okay? Oh, I am going to turn it on you, Ronnie, because the only person that threw Stephanie under the bus yesterday was you. You were on the air yesterday. Oh, this is all her. Don't ask me. This is all her. Dude. No, this is nobody this is was... shitting on Stephanie but you. Okay, yeah. Oh, bullshit, oh, Jason. You're full of shit. Let's calm down. You were the one crying about You were the one crying about all the money you spent to come. Okay, I'm not crying pals. about it. I just you said it would be to acknowledge well, it. Don't listen to the fucking tape, dude. You cried about it. Let's cry. You, Samantha, Wilding, supposedly my good friends. Okay. And by the no, way, we're not. Robin. Obviously not. Yes. <laughs> Obvious. Robin, Robin is a better. Robin is. A, yeah. He didn't Robin say that you're not friend. his friend. It's Robin's a better friend. Better friend. Right. 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 He, she Robin's gave a generous a gift. Friend. And we and we can write to whoever we want, whenever we want, and do whatever we want. Okay. I don't need to be told who to write to and who not to write to. So the apology yesterday was false. Well, no, in other false. news, in other it news, it wasn't false. Excuse me. If that's if you uh. feel so hurt, I did apologize for that. Fine, <laughs> but you cried. You cried. Right. You okay. cried about how much money you spent. Fine. I'm glad you were there, but I me didn't too. know you had a you you had a cry well, about. The, well, the audience is going there. wild. <laughs> Alyssa, you're on the air. Go ahead in Canada. Oh, hi, it's Alyssa. How are you, Alyssa? Yes. Yes, hi. Ronnie, he's just a freaking child. When someone makes a comment to you, which was totally legitimate, to say yes, that... put up all the negative that calls, that's fine. Well, I'll put up every call. I'm going to put up other calls. <laughs> all he had to do, which he almost did, was just say, you're right, I, maybe I didn't handle that right. But yeah, you just say, hey, that's interesting. I did say it. Okay? So there you I go. Yesterday. Like, I'll send you your money back. But that that's wasn't so fucking... Uh, right. 
Oh, that wasn't fucking it. good enough. They had to go out and put it. I didn't put a poll out. I Marianne, don't know. Yes, you Marianne, did. Marianne, was right on fucking Instagram. Wow. Marianne from Brooklyn. What talking about? That was, from, that was from our show account. And, yeah, and you put it up also on your serious J shit. Yeah, because I always share our show content, Ronnie. That is not Marianne from Brooklyn, you're on the air. Go ahead. <laughs> Wait a minute, Jason. You don't share that much on your thing. Please, don't get me started with that. You may put on Stern Show, but you're not putting on Serious J. Anyway, they crossed the line. I got Ronnie's back and Stephanie. It's one thing to poke fun at a thank you card, but it's another thing to come on the air, these who is the airtime, and to say that that's wow, see? they spent. How there you go. Marianne, Marianne supports you, Ronnie. Don't tell me I put only uh, the uh, yeah, negative. Okay. Dana, go uh, ahead okay. in uh, New Jersey. Okay. Hi, Howard. That's definitely not following any rules of etiquette. They could at least written a little note. That's all. That's it. All right. Enough. 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 It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Like I said. Obviously, a lot of hurt feelings. We apologize apologize for trying to do the right thing. And okay. (laughs) You're apologizing for trying to do the right thing. We're so we're so fucking sorry. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry for bringing this to light. Come on. No, it's fine. No, no. I'll keep it going. No, I'll Be talk about happy. finances too. You want to talk about finances? I'll talk about how much okay. I spent. How much? Over a hundred grand. Oh, for that well, fucking I figured. I, okay? I figured you shouldn't have done it. Not with these ingrates. Yeah, I guess not. Right. Listen to what you got for your money. All this Remember complaint. who your buddy is. I didn't show up, so you didn't have to spend money on me. I just gave exactly. Money. Right. I don't want my money back. You take it. Perfect. Uh oh, Ronnie Puppet wants to say something. Uh-oh. He's angry too. Go ahead, Ronnie Puppet. Jason, here's my apology. I'm sorry you're such a con. <laughs> <laughs> and shut the that way. fucking pole up your ass. So I couldn't write an apology or a or a thank you note. I lost my crayons. All right, thank you. And that's Ronnie Puppet, and that's the end of it. I'm going to write Ronnie an apology note. I'm no, sorry. you don't have to write me an apology, Jason. No, no, I'll write you a handwritten. All right. No, no enough with that. Handwritten, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> handwritten. <laughs> no, don't bother, don't bother. Go fuck your own tits, Jason. No, yeah, no, no, Jason, da, make, da, up, da, make da. up, you know, make up a hundred fucking cards and uh, just send me one of them, okay? Okay. <laughs> yeah, eat shit and fall out of a helicopter, fuck nuts. Oh. Jason doesn't have a helicopter. Well, he can see my buddy Helicopter Bob fly back to Vegas and then fall out of the helicopter. No, it's and helicopter I'll write your eulogy, you asshole. All Get right. it right, Listen. you fucking asshole puppet. <laughs> all right, all right, all I'm right. I'm going to go staring back at the mountains again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yep, I'm enjoying it. Lots of well, snipes. Ronnie. I'm so angry, my mustache is trembling. Can you see? Yeah, well, look, he gave it. He gave a good Ronnie today. He came on in like a ball of fire and really went at it. Good for you, pal. You got a lot of fire in you, and uh, I, I admire that. There's a lot of fire in this guy, and that's my man. Enjoy your Billy Joel interview. I will. I will. I, I hope you. Enjoy I'm just it. saying. I'm saying. Enjoy it. All right. Thank you. And you right. enjoy. Staring at the mountains. Staring at the mountains. Staring at the mountains. All right, go ahead. Love the snow. All right. Love the snow. Listen, you're going to give yourself a heart attack. And by the way. I have no heart attack, believe me. All right. Speaking of heart attacks, everyone's happy. J.D. went out and shoveled his own snow yesterday and did not have a heart attack. Oh, and he's still here. We saw him. He's still here. (laughs) Robin, you mentioned yesterday that um, 
you were like, I I wear uh, shoes with no socks and my feet smell <laughs> fine. And then you took a whiff at your shoe <laughs> and you were like, oof. Well, uh, Robin's uh, reaction got quite a lot of response. Robin's reaction when she smelled her shoes is the reason you have to wear socks. Robin isn't generally smelly and they're still funky. Imagine what Richards would smell like. That's a good oh. point. Um, Robin, they make no-show socks. I personally don't like those. They slide all over yeah, the place. Yeah, they move around on your foot. Robin, I went to a party that we had to take our shoes off while I was wearing them. People thought I was wearing ballet slippers. Once those guys knew what they were, they wanted to get some, too. Now, here's a disturbing thing. King of All Blacks left us a voicemail telling us that Robin's smelly shoes turned him on. Uh, this is, Be prepared. Here you go. Hey, Robin. When you said those sketches smelled and you had no socks on, He's got his I love got voice. turned on. <laughs> I would love to smell them. You don't have to give me the whole sneaker. I'll take the removable sole. You know, the removable sole, just take it out and give it to me. I'll pay. I'll pay any amount of money. <laughs> I'm serious. There you go. That's a sick um, man. <laughs> wonder what you could get for those. Uh, Deborah, you're on the air in New York. Yes, good morning. I'm calling about Ronnie, and I really feel as a regular listener that he's getting picked on. He is ratings gold. He's the reason we listen. <laughs> so please leave him alone. You're absolutely right. Ronnie is a gem. He knows I feel that way about him. Are you crying over this? I just, I love him so much, and I love his wedding, and I feel like this. Jason's so jealous of him. We can hear it through the radio. It's so sad. They just want to be him. They can't be him. When he goes on the radio, everyone listens. When Jason goes on, we turn it off. We put it on a commercial. We put it on pause. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You're making a good point. Uh, hey. Ronnie is beloved around here. We love him. More. Ronnie. By the way... I should point out that Deborah is Jason's mom, and uh, oh. she feels this way. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, Ronnie let everybody have it this morning. He used the Ronnie venom, and uh, it's ratings gold. You're absolutely right. We just checked the ratings. It's through the roof. Uh, Sirius XM stock went up 25 points just off of uh, Ronnie's rant. So there you go. Thank you very much, Deborah. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Ronnie is a national treasure. There you go. Uh, Frank, go ahead. Hey, Frank from Rhode Island. Hey, every, Ronnie's a gentleman. When he went to Nowicki's wedding, as terrible as that was, everybody was trashing it, and they seemed to try to bait him. And all he said was, hey, he was a little hot, I wore black, I had a good time. And he didn't say anything really negative about that That's wedding. Right. But I think everybody yeah, Ronnie. too much... Ronnie had a lot of class. He didn't make fun of Nowicki's wedding. He uh, took it. But, uh, yeah, Nowicki's wedding was a disaster. Uh, everybody right. made fun of it. And uh, Nowicki, listen, Nowicki was upset, too. People do not like to have their weddings made fun of. And I think uh, Nowicki's wife was upset. Yeah, yeah. Nowicki's that wife wedding was, was ridiculous. I'm still telling people about that. That was crazy about the food and everything. Oh, my God. Well, like I said to Nowicki at the time, I said, listen, tell your wife not to be too upset because um, she'd be a lot more upset if I'd let you go and you have no food to eat at home. <laughs> Jeez, they're opening a Shake Shack where I live. And I, every time I hear about it, I think about that truck pulling up and people waiting on the side of the street with homeless people walking by and walking their doors right. to try to get food. 
All in right, their Frank, finery, thank yeah. Thank you. Yep. Tuxes. You're right. Bye. Yeah, cocktail dresses. <laughs> and, and no one should be mad at Jason. Jason's job is to tell me all the negative things that happen when the staff is out partying. That is his job, and he did it well. Well, I hope that Ronnie and Stephanie remember that they really couldn't say bad things about the wedding because they all had such a great time. There you go. I thought they, they got really off easy. Did. I think if you get bashed over your thank you notes, you're probably, you're probably ahead on this show. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's my opinion, but what do I know? By the way, I do want to get this in. A lot of people wrote me about Tan Mom. Fans <laughs> really enjoy hearing about this uh, boxing match that's coming up. <laughs> that is so ridiculous. Howard, who the hell is going to tune into a shadow boxing fight? <laughs> Robin is right. It's a terrible idea. Uh, shadow boxing is the perfect sport for Tan Mom. She already looks like a shadow. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, Tan Mom's book sounds incredible. I pray she records an audiobook version that Sal and Richard can use for many years to come. Uh, Howard Damon Feldman, the promoter of the uh, Tan Mom boxing match, needs to get his shit together. Howard should be the one promoting the fight. I like the idea of seeing Tan Mom do a thumb wrestle better than what shadow boxing would be. <laughs> well, there you go. That's from all the fans. I also uh, wanted to mention, Billy Joel will be here soon, so I do have to take a break. But uh, I do want to say uh, I was in the dumbest meeting that I've ever been in. And I've been in some dumb meetings. But uh, we had a whole discussion the other day. You know, we have a staff meeting Every Thursday, provided I'm, you know, around to do it. and But mostly every Thursday, we have a staff meeting. And the guys came to me. They have an idea. They have an idea that we should, um, you know how we have Cocktober? Yes. The idea, the idea here is that they want to change the name from March to Farch. A whole month where we celebrate, where we celebrate farting. On the I air. See. So I said to the guys, "Farch is not a funny word. It's there's something about yeah, you it have that's to eternal. Explain it. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work. The guys got very def- almost as defensive as Ronnie just did. <laughs> you know, somebody's got to say once in a while <laughs> this ain't working. Jason came on, Will came on, and they started. Uh, Farch is going to be great. I said, okay, tell defending me what... Farch? They were defending yeah. Farch? <laughs> I even said to him, why don't you wait till May and change the name to Manus? At least it sounds like anus. And I thought to myself, what a dumb job I have. <laughs> there, are, there are people, there are personnel in the military right now not being celebrated, and we're sitting and debating Farch versus Manus. <laughs> Maybe, uh, you know, but anyway, um, that reminded me when we almost did menstruary, we were going to celebrate menstruation. But uh, anyway, so I said, what do you have in mind? What was that? January? Menstruary? Uh, (laughs) um, uh, uh, I forget. (laughs) I think menstruary was March, but who knows? So anyway, um, here are some of the ideas. I, I don't think it works. I don't think I'm going to do fart. I'm going to be honest with you, but you tell me. You love fart. <laughs> I love farting. You don't, you don't want to celebrate it. The word fart, I think a whole month of it is a bit much. Coming this March. I think the funnier thing is I'm sitting in a meeting listening to this stuff, trying to be convinced <laughs> that this is a good idea. 
Forge. A month certainly not silent, but very deadly. Forge. We were in a big boardroom arguing about this. Yeah. You know. And around one of those big tables. Well, I looked at her and I said, I got an idea. Maybe I should just fire everyone in March. Then the guys got upset. But anyway, there were a bunch of, I mean. They, they were I mean, really they, committed to a farch, huh? Oh, my God. <laughs> farch, 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 farch. I mean, look at the work they put into this. This was just to pitch the idea. They were going to sell it, yes. They were selling it to me, and and I didn't go for it. I just want to show you that I do reject some ideas. March is when we spread our cheeks for you. A whole month to make you say you. When you pull my finger, well, it's sure to linger. Farch will smell like shit till June. I see these other talk shows that hire everyone out of Harvard. We hire everyone out of elementary school. Right out of elementary <laughs> school, they start writing for us. <laughs> Third grade, I believe. I said, remind me again. You guys get paid a salary for this? What the, what the, we can't do this. It's like Let's call the whole thing Farge Yeah, well, you're probably not going to hear Farge No No I guess not Farge will smell like shit till June There was a huge pitch with uh, with accompanying stingers and musical elements Do they always present ideas this way? No, no. They were like, we we want to sell this to you, so we're going to go into production and produce some bits around it. It was a big pitch. <laughs> yeah, we had Jason so was, many meetings leading up to it. <laughs> he lost five pounds in flop sweat when he was presenting yeah. this to me. It was a multimedia presentation. I'm like, am I really sitting here wow. seeing a multimedia presentation for Farch? Yeah, you like, like you know in a movie where they show like a boardroom and the one person standing up there and the, yeah, that's what it felt. And we were like, oh, and this will be March twentieth, and this will be March twenty yeah. second, and yeah, okay, fucking crazy. Okay. They didn't. Land. Uh, Nathan, you're on the air in Texas. Go ahead. Good morning, Howard and Robin. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, thank you, oh, Ronnie. Yes. I got the uh, thank you letter in the mail yesterday. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Great show. God bless you guys. Thank you. Rock. It's Valentine's Day. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, yeah, I gave my wife Valentine's Day uh, a couple of days ago. I tried to. So, what you do know, you do today? Today, she's going to get the gift of me nude in bed tonight. As I, <laughs> I'm sure tonight there's a nice little sexy outfit picked out. I mean, on my part, and uh, <laughs> her gift is not seeing me naked tonight. I don't know, uh, Joe. You're on the air. No, Joe? Okay. Joe in Texas. Hello? Hello? Hello. Yes, sir. What up? Yeah, that, that's March. It sounds horrible. It was horrible. I, I rejected it. <laughs> can't have it. First of all, the word farch isn't funny. Manus is better than yeah. farch. Yeah, farch is horrible. How about, uh, how about July where you uh, celebrate a whole month of Jews? 
There you go. July. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, so, yeah, I did I did Valentine's Day. A lot of guys here, Mehmet has weird ideas about Valentine's Day. He was telling people they weren't doing the right thing. He yelled at Gary because Gary's here in Miami with me, and he isn't getting his wife a gift from Miami. Everyone has these thoughts on Valentine's Day. What I did yeah. this year, I just, what I did was I listened to my wife. And I, like, like all of, we were walking, and she says, we were walking, and it was cold, freezing weather, and she goes, uh, you know, when I when I text, I watch her, she texts outside, she takes off her gloves and her hands are freezing. So I bought her a whole bunch of gloves with the, you can text with your gloves on. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, mm. To me, that's thoughtful. It didn't, it didn't seem to blow her mind, really. But I thought that was thoughtful. Then I, and I got her flowers. But then I, I, I custom designed a pair of Converse for her. Oh. With our, with our cat Helen's picture on it. That Aww. went over big. That went over big. Yeah. And then Boy, I that's got her a big uh, Valentine's Day. How much yeah. did it cost to custom make a shoe? Oh fuck! You don't know. It cost me double what it normally costs because the first time I got the sneaker size wrong. Oh jeez! <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. But I did it. Well, good for you. That's a she liked great it. Great idea. Yeah. I'm trying to be like present. That's what they all say. You got to be present. You got to listen to the person and what they need. And uh, well, that's, that's how you design on. a really great gift is to know what a person is into, and you know the thing they're ruminating about next for this whatever it is they love. Evan, you're on the air in uh, Maryland. Hey, Howard. Uh, good morning, everyone. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, I just wanted to defend Ronnie. I mean, this dude, how many good years does he have left? And and his poor oh. young wife, she just married <sighs> him. But how many years does she have with him? Right. That's like, true. I should be sensitive to that. He doesn't have time to write, yeah, gonna... uh, write thank you notes. That's right. You yeah. Thank you for making that point. You're right. Ronnie's right. right. He's got. He's looking at the the sand running through that little uh, hourglass, and he's going, "Hey, I, am I going to spend the? Am I going to spend my time writing thank you notes, or am I going to like <laughs> stare at a mountain?" I, I get it. I get it. I'm in the same situation. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, he wants he wants to spend time with his wife. And Farch is a right. great idea. The songs are great. Keep it. All right, Farch. It is <laughs> one vote for Farch. Uh Mark, you're on the air in Georgia. We're minutes away from Billy Joel, so I'm going to take a break in about three seconds. Go ahead, Mark. Howard, how are you doing today, buddy? All right, pal. So, listening to that great Billy Joel song, um, it's obviously all written about forlorn love. Did he wait too long to, you know, show his his partner that he loved her? And And then I watch on that Grammy bit where uh, the producer goes over it with him, and he gets them. He talks about it's really the first song he's written in 30 years. And I I truly think the song is actually like a metaphor for his writing muse. You know, did he wait too long to to, uh, water that plant, if you will? Well, we'll find out in minutes. Uh, I I plan to talk to him about the new song because I think it's fantastic. But, uh, um, yeah, the song is about regrets. It's about, hey, you know, it kind of reminds me, too, of like Willie Nelson's sentiment and um, maybe I should have loved you. 
Mm. What does he yeah. say? Maybe I should have loved Maybe you twice. I should have, should have loved you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in other uh, words, but it was like uh, I said, I love you quite as often as I should as have. I should have, yeah, 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 yeah. Can I, yeah. Can I also say <laughs> that you know I've been listening to you for thirty, forty years, whatever it is, long time. Um, and you've really grown up from the shock jock into a really beautiful, caring person. And your songwriting thing for a, this, you know, silly stuff with Metamucil Man, have you ever thought about really sitting down and exposing yourself and writing a really beautiful song? And really, yeah, well, that's why I'm having Billy in today. Uh, Billy doesn't know it, but we're forming a super group. And, uh, I am going to sit Billy down and we're going to write a song together about something serious. Well, there you um, go, buddy. There you go. I, yeah, we're gonna. We, he's gonna agree to it today. Thank you. Yeah, I. I got a lot of questions about supergroups with Billy. Don't ask the questions I have. He, you know, we got him for about an hour, hour and a half, but I probably need thirty hours. Honest to God. All right, listen. It, it, but the Willie Nelson song was here. I got the lyric. Maybe I didn't love you quite as often as I could have. And maybe I didn't treat you quite as good as I should have. If I made you feel second best girl, I'm sorry I was blind. And I'm like, Billy's song hits it right on the head. It's like, you know, maybe, maybe I could. Why, why didn't I wake up sooner? Why the fuck didn't I wake up sooner and value this relationship that we have? Yeah, why didn't I notice before now? That, you yeah. know, the spark was gone and we were just going through the motions. And the song would have been great if he stopped at that. But then he went further and said, but did I did I turn it off to... In other words, is there no way that I can yeah, somehow the save spark, this? the fire completely out or can we revive it? Yeah. Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll talk to Billy about that and other things. You, you know... You know my name. You, you know, you Billy, know, you this know to me was one of the best Beatles songs I ever heard. And yet it's considered obscure. Good evening. Oh, I heard this one. No, I, I, knew, I used to play this on college radio, and I thought I was cool because I knew this track. They're just messing around. The studio got nothing to do, and they're just throwing it together. I love stuff like that. We have a lot of junk like this in... In, in the uh, file somewhere. Would you ever release that stuff? Like, just... just they did. No. They put out an album called My Lives, uh, which was all stuff that was supposed to be left on the cutting room floor. Oh. And a lot of that's... like I'm listening to this. It's embarrassing. Nobody's supposed to hear this. This is all outtakes. But who released that? You did? Columbia Records. And you said okay. Well, I can't say no because I'm... I owe them, I don't know, a couple of albums. I haven't done oh. anything new for a long time, so they put out whatever they got. And you couldn't say to them, listen, I don't want that. I, I, this is not going to happen. If I had a battery of lawyers like Donald Trump, yeah, I probably could. <laughs> yeah. but uh, You don't want lawyers like Donald Trump has, trust me. You wouldn't win too many cases. Yeah, that's true. Um, but that brings up a good question. By the way, Billy Joel is here. We're celebrating the new song, which I have plenty to say about. Uh, but I don't want to get to that yet. Uh, and also Billy Joel at Madison Square Garden. And the whole world is Billy Joel right now. And uh, there's a Billy Joel uh, uh, the concert that's going to come out on TV. But before I get to all that, in light of what you just said, the song Moving Out, 
it, it, you have said in interviews, and I'm dying to know how you did this, when you wrote it, you didn't, you somehow changed the entire song, that the song we know, Moving Out, it's not, that's not what you wrote. And then right. you had to go, why, why, did you, why did that all of that happen? I wrote a different melody and different chords originally and so i i always write the music first okay right so the music was uh oh it sounded too much like neil sadaka yeah laughter in the rain so you mean you wrote un uh, subconsciously, unconsciously, you were writing laughter in the rain? Unconsciously, I'm writing laughter in the rain. Or rewriting it, maybe I heard it and I channeled it into this idea. So I, I come into the studio, the band is there, and they and, and I'm and here it goes. Anthony works in the grocery store. And they're looking at me like I got ten heads. They said, that's laughter in the rain by Neil Sadaka. Oh. Went, oh, crap. And I wrote all the lyrics. I wrote all the lyrics based on that original melody. So what did that sound like? In other words, if you were singing the lyrics to the Neil Sedaka thing, what would that sound like? Anthony works in the grocery store, saving his pennies for someday. Mama Leone left a note on the door, since Sonny moved out to the country. I don't think I went into, whoa, I feel laughter in the rain. So you, so, <clears throat> so you're sitting in the studio, the band says to you, Billy, you've, you've unconsciously, subconsciously taken the wrong song and this and that. Do you sit there in the studio and say, wait? They weren't that nice about it. They said, what are you? You shithead. That's <laughs> Laughter in the Rain by Neil Sadatka. No, they don't talk to you like that. Yeah, I mean, they do. They, they do? Well, they're all Long Island guys. And and they're allowed to talk to you like yeah, that. Well, anybody's allowed to talk to me. But but when they said it, in all seriousness, do you panic and say, oh, fuck, I've, I've done something wrong here? Yes. And then where do you go back home and say, I like these lyrics and now I'm going to rewrite it? Or are you sitting in the studio and you go right then and there, okay, how's this? I said, give me a, uh, give me a little time. I'm going to rewrite the uh, the melody. Where do you go to do that? Right in the studio. I was in the studio, sitting at a piano. Uh, there was a table and chair, so I went away from the, uh, the piano, sat at a table and chair, and wrote out new lyrics. Oh, new lyrics? Yeah. Uh, let's see. No, no, no. I had the lyrics. I'm sorry. Right. You wrote out new music. Wrote out new music. I didn't. I didn't write it out in, in notes. I, I, I went. How did I do this? How did I do this? Let me figure this out. Da -da 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 -da. Okay, can't do that. And then it works in the grocery. Yeah, I was pissed off. You mean I got to write a whole new song? Yeah. I wrote a whole set of lyrics. They're perfectly good. Right. So just change the melody and change the chords. So hey, I, Go ahead. That was it. You know, it's funny about that because that's not how you typically write a song. You don't have the lyrics. You write the music first. But this time you had the lyrics in a sense. I already had pre-written lyrics. So I said, wait a minute. I'm not going to write a whole new set of lyrics on a whole new song. I'm going to use those lyrics on a different melody. I was uh, talking about you this morning. I am so blown out by this period of time where, you know, I think you heard it driving in. One album after another produced not like one hit, but like hits after hits after hits. It was this prolific. It was it was insane. Did you 
like did you sometimes have a backlog of songs that were so many that you couldn't even fit them all on an album no i never had that i never had more songs than i needed uh for an album i was always like a song or two short at least when we went into the studio um and a lot of times i would write in the studio because we needed another couple of songs that's what i was going to ask you now studio time is a tremendous amount of money and yes this, and this that you would walk in and say i don't have enough songs for this album and you would begin to write right there in the studio yes. were you conscious of the fact that writing in the studio was just running up the tab yes i you, was but, but does that add to it like in other words that pressure gets you just writing the pressure definitely gets to you and you you are motivated by time and uh, having to come up with something and it can't be bad because they're going to tell me it sucks right so and i like being in the studio because i got headphones they got all kinds of effects there's all kinds of instruments around musicians the whole vibe is just very creative so i would write in the studio it would cost an arm and a leg but i think it was worth it do you would you ever get resentful of like like the Beatles had each other, John, George, and 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 uh, Paul were all songwriters working together. Did you ever say to yourself, "Why the fuck am I putting myself through this? What if I had another songwriting partner? What if I had somebody like a Keith Richards or a, you know somebody to write with?" You, you you it never occurred to you to do that. It did occur to me to consider collaborating with another musician or another lyricist. But every time I tried to do it, it was a waste of time. It, it never worked out it, for some reason or another. I tried to get together with Burt Bacharach. He had an idea he wanted me to hear. And uh, then he wanted me to write words. And I always write the music first. Right. So he's showing me his idea. And he he's singing. Now, you ever hear Burt Bacharach sing? He can't sing. He can't sing. Right. Isn't uh, that horrible, Billy? Well, what do you say? You can't sing, Bert? Yeah. You just, <laughs> you just go, okay. And I, I didn't get it. You go, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Oh, and you want words on that. Uh-huh. I don't get it. So what do you do? You say to the guy, you sit in there with Bert Packerack, who's a you know, genius. But, but you, you just go, listen, man, I got to be up front with you. Uh, this isn't working for me. It's an uncomfortable conversation. No, I was too chicken shit to say that to What's so how'd you get out of it? I said, I'll, I'll call you when I get an idea. Oh, that's great. It's and like that, breaking up with a girl. <laughs> Not calling. And I didn't call him. Right. Oh, God. I didn't, and the same thing happened with uh, with uh, John Oates from Hall & Oates. He tried to uh, work together. He said, I've got this idea. I said, okay, what's the idea? Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know from that. I don't know from that. <laughs> it's like all rhythmic stuff. Well, know? because... If you were going to present to another musician what your idea was for a song, you would you would bang it out on the piano. Yes. Yeah. I, I would have the notes. I'd have the chords. I'd even have some uh, notation with them. What is a song that we know that you wrote on the spot in the studio? You were sitting there. You had studio. You, you know, in other words, you had nothing planned. There was not an idea in your head. And you said to yourself... I'm coming up with something. And literally, you ca it came out of you under that kind of pressure. I think honesty was like that. I can't believe you're saying that. So last night, I'm in my hotel room thinking all about you. And on, I'm, honesty is in my head. Like I, like, and I'm like, where is this coming from? And I realized with my limited music, musical understanding, that is one of the most complex songs on the planet. I mean, the chord changes. 
Right? It's not a simple song to no, play. No, it's not simple. It's deceptively listenable like that, but it's not that simple. And and, and when you play that song, again, I'm not a musician, but it's A flat, B flat, like it's yeah. chords on top of chords, yeah. right? It's not an easy thing to play. Right. Um, and so you're sitting in the studio, time is money, and you turn to the guys and go, what do you think of this? Is that how you did it? Kind of. I came in with this idea it was it was a a, a a recording day without a song i said here's this idea i got i don't have lyrics for it yet but it goes like this Title will be this. So the band goes, Yeah, it's a nice melody. Bastard. My drummer goes, Liberty DeVito, Italian guy from uh, Seaford. Oh. He goes, Yeah, I like it. It could be sodomy. <laughs> sodomy. It's such a lonely word. I said, Oh, no, I can't. I can't. We can't call it sodomy. But we, we actually, I think, recorded it somewhere with me singing Sodomy originally. Oh my God. Can you imagine Sodomy? Yeah. But that's what it takes, right? In other words, you need a word in there just to get things going. I need something to make me do it fast or make me do it at all. So I knew it couldn't be Sodomy. I liked the melody. The band liked the melody. The studio time was booked. What are we going to call this thing? So I said, you know what fits? Honesty. And then I, then I wrote the lyrics right there and then. But you know what? It, to me, it's such a deep song. You know, it's a man craving honesty. Just give me an honest answer. Just give me the truth, like the Beatles said. You know, John Lennon. They said, give me some honesty. And yet, really what you're telling me is, honesty wasn't really on your mind. It just happened to fit because it rhymed with sodomy. Well, yeah, I think you're right. Wow. It sang well. Honesty... And I felt like a hypocrite because I'm a, I, honesty, who am I to say I, I need honesty? I'm right. a bullshit artist from the get-go. Mm. You know, uh, mm. So, uh, see, honesty is such a lonely word, which is untrue. And mostly what I need from you. Like, who, what, what am I, a saint? You know? Uh, yeah. What does the band say when you bring them a complex song like that? In, in terms of, I mean, it's a lot of chord changes and things, and you don't write it down for them. In other words, you don't go to the band now that you're in the recording studio and say, we're going from an A flat to a B flat to a C to a D, blah, blah. What, how do you convey to them what you want them to do? Well, usually if something is a little more complex than normal, I will have it written out with uh, just chord symbols not all every single note notation it's it's just it's like c minor seven a flat seven a sixth uh, just chord symbols and so they'll know what the chords are and, and who was the producer on that song honesty yeah that was phil ramon and because there's a sound to that that sounds to me like even the i don't know what microphone you use if it's a special microphone but the gear on that one, you're getting an echo of some kind. Like, there's just a little bit of reverb or something that just tears at my heart. That was done at A&R Studios, which was on 52nd Street and 7th Avenue. Right. And 
he, Phil Ramone and other engineers built the studio, and the echo chambers they used were like old bathrooms. They loved the sound of the bathroom. So they, was it was it slap reverb? I don't know what he did. Right, he had like stuff from God the forties, the fifties, the sixties. He was able to get these sounds with, you know, just engineering marvel things, and and producers. Like sometimes you would produce your own album, and then sometimes you use a guy. But there was the story where you went to George Martin of the Beatles and you said, "Dude, I want you to produce my record." And he said, "I will do it, Billy. I like your music." But I want you to get rid of your whole band. They're right. not up to it. Now, to me, if George Martin, from who's legendary, says to me, my band isn't up to snuff, do you start to doubt your band? Do you say to yourself, is there some worm in your head that goes, hey, this is George Martin. This fucker must know what he's talking about, even though you decide to keep them. I had ultimate respect for George Martin. I, I think the work he did with the Beatles made him almost one of the Beatles. Right. He was just as important to them as the guys in the band, I think. It was a combination of the Beatles and George Martin. But because the first few albums I made as albums were done with session men, and I had been on the road with my own musicians for years... I didn't want to do another Session Men album. I see. I wanted my own guys who knew how to play, who maybe they weren't the most polished musicians in the world, but there was a sound. There was something organic about it. They were all from Long Island or New York, and that's who I wanted to work with. And you admire a sound on a record that has even some mistakes. Do yes. I have that right? That yeah. you like when little weird things happen. You don't want a perfect song. No. But what do they mean by mistakes? I know you had this conversation that was kind of legendary with Keith Richards. And Keith was saying to you, this is how we write songs and everything. But he said, we all, you had said, the Stones are good because they keep the mistakes in. Well, I, as a musician, you understand that. I don't. What's a mistake in a Stones song? What, do you, what are they talking about? I don't hear mistakes. I, I don't. I can't pinpoint exactly where in their records these things happen but i know that they're in there if i'm listening to a stones record sometimes you'll hear something will go by and go up oh, that was a clam really they didn't mean to do that that was a mistake but they left it in and because it, it was a good move you wouldn't have thought of doing it you know naturally you screwed up and you went oh i kind of like the sound of that yeah it's just the serendipity it just happened are there clams in your songs that oh, yeah. we would we, that you could point out i would love to know what a what what a clam is oh i'd have to look at a song list to tell you but there are clams there's there's clams all over the place when you were uh four years old this is the this is the part that blows my mind. You're a four year old kid, and you played Moonlight Sonata uh, by Beethoven. How does that happen? You hadn't had piano lessons at four, right? I started piano lessons at around four years. You did, yeah. And your I didn't play the Moonlight Sonata yet. That was when I was about seven. What is the Moonlight Sonata? The Moonlight Sonata. It's Beethoven's. Uh,
It's something so longing about. Oh, it's beautiful the way you're playing it. Yeah, I, I think he had a crush on one of his students and was probably thinking about her when he wrote it. When you played that as a kid, you were a, a phenom. I, I mean, you, you could play it well. And your father being a musician, he must have been blown away by you. He must have realized on some level that you were a prodigy. He was actually technically a better musician than I was. My old man was a very good piano player. Yeah, but but he probably he he was a good piano player, but he's not at your he he never achieved the level that you achieved. But, but the, you're, they're giving me credit for something I don't have. I'm not that good a piano player. I was going to ask you about that. You see, I think you're a fabulous piano player because I listen to these songs; they move me. Even just the way you were playing Beethoven. By the way, when you play Beethoven, do you have you ever put lyrics to that song? Would you ever do that? No, but I'll tell you what I did to it. My father was home from one of his usual business trips, and he was upstairs taking a nap, and I was... He came down the stairs. There's 12 stairs. He came down in like one step and smacked me right off the piano bench. Really? Yeah, knocked me out. He actually, I was unconscious for a brief amount. I was about seven years old. Oh, come on. And, are, and, you, are you kidding me? No, no. He's, you don't mess around with Beethoven. Came, one, one big shot, bang, to the head. And he woke, woke up and said, well, I guess he heard that. But, Billy, you're, how can you laugh and tell me that? How can you not see how horrible that is? It didn't traumatize me for life. I remembered it. But, uh, you know, I, I, I had to respect his, uh, you know. His what dude. a horrible thing. I mean, this sweet seven-year-old boy who's playing the piano and, and trying to find something in Beethoven that might appeal. And your father whacks you in the fucking head. You don't screw around with Beethoven. I mean, he was perfect. Oh. I mean, but to try to rock it up was like sacrilege to him. Uh, but I knew he heard I said he heard it. You love Beethoven. I do love Beethoven. But you don't consider yourself a great piano player. What about what, what, who is a great piano player? Oh, uh, uh, Evgeny Kassin, uh, uh, the, um, the a bunch of Chinese pianists who are phenomenal. Was Liberace a great piano player? No, not really. He was a competent piano player. He was very flashy, though. Right. He like pre Elton Elton. Right. With the outfits and the, and, the, and the hand movements and the, yeah, the whole bit. Well, as long as we're talking, I mean, Beethoven is a huge influence on you. But I think if you're gonna understand, but you even said this night uh, was well. I won't even get into that. But I'm talking about your influences, like uh, the Beatles yesterday. yesterday. You point out that, because I think to understand Billy Joel's music, you got to know what turns you on. This is the best song Paul McCartney ever wrote? One of the best songs McCartney ever wrote. And it's in the top three. I have to play this as one of your uh, influences. Jimi Hendrix. You got to tell this story. I know you've told it before. But you were a kid. And you went to see Jimi Hendrix. Where was he playing? He was playing at what used to be called the Singer Bowl at the old World's Fairgrounds in Flushing Meadows. It was the New York State Pavilion, I think. How old were you about uh, at that point? I was 18 or 19. And you came up with an idea that you would pose as a roadie 
to get into the backstage area of the concert? Yeah, well, first, the, the first challenge was first to get into the venue. We didn't have tickets. <laughs> we didn't have money to buy tickets. How'd you do that? I bullshitted my way in. I, I, I got some cables. Uh, I, I put on an outfit with it, like, look like a roadie. <laughs> And I had like equipment with me, so I'm dragging stuff in. And oh God, this is going to this guy Jimmy's going to have his, you know, his Magnavox. Oh wait a second, you're doing a British accent, so you you created a character of a roadie with a British accent. Yeah, I'm, I'm Jimmy's roadie, and Jimmy needs his stuff, so you got to get out of my way, get out of the way. Jimmy's going to have this. So like, this is I, like Spinal Tap. I mean, you're, you're yes. Yeah, so you're an 18 year old kid. You don't know Jimi Hendrix. You're no. not famous yet, obviously. No. And you're now doing a British accent, and you're you're going into this venue. I just bullshitted my way in. Were you scared? Scared? No, it wasn't like they were going to throw me in jail or anything. They just throw me out. And what did you think was going to happen? That Jimmy would meet you backstage, and somehow you guys would would, would would have kismet? I didn't think we'd meet Jimmy. I just wanted to get into the gig and see the gig. Right. I wanted to see Jimi Hendrix. So. I figure if I, they think I have equipment, I can get closer to the stage. I get a better place to, to go. So I, you know, Jimmy's going to have his, his cables got my way and we get up to the stage and then suddenly the, the main roadie, Keith Robertson, his name was, he was like the famous English roadie for everybody. Cream, Hendrix, the Beatles, the Stones, every, this guy worked with everybody. So he sees me with these cables around me and points at me. He goes, Hey, you come here. I go over to the stage. You're pretty good. Come on, you're going to help us load the amps. Now these are like big, gigantic amplifiers, um, Marshalls, Marshalls, yeah. Marshall amps, and stacks of them. So with uh, me, I was with John Small, who was the drummer in the Hassles, who we, um, was in a band with me, and we lo we loaded Jimmy's. I am onto the stage. It was a thrill. I got to set up his stuff. What a different time. Like yeah. now, they have so much security. Yeah, you'd never be able to do it now. Never be able to do it. And this guy recognized that you were some schlub off the street, but he, he liked the way you were moving the equipment around. He's, you got balls. Wow. So we got in, and I actually got to sit on the stage no when kidding. Jimi Hendrix was playing his concert, and it was a rotating stage. And some of our friends were out in the audience, and they see me on the lip of this rotating stage waving at them. <laughs> we made it. Did, did it blow your mind to to see Jimi Hendrix? Oh, like yeah. every, what, what was going on with this guy? I mean, why was he so ahead of his time? He was, everything about him was new and different and, and radical and great. He was, he was a great musician just to begin with. His, his touch on the guitar was so fluid. And he played upside down left handed guitar. How do you do that? And even his fingerings were wrong. Like his thumb was way over the top. You're not yeah. supposed to keep your thumb all the way up there. You're supposed to drop it down. But he, it didn't matter. He it didn't just, matter. He wow. broke all the rules. He was in his own musical land. It was amazing. And because you admired him so much, was there ever, I know when you write sometimes you say, I'm going to write a song as Jimi Hendrix. Did you ever go, did you ever, yeah. what, what was the song you wrote? The song I wrote was Shameless. Uh, I was thinking of Jimi Hendrix singing and playing Shameless. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, Shameless. 
When it comes to loving you, baby. I go, you know, I just started thinking of Jimmy wow. chewing gum. He always chewed gum when he sang. Uh, you know, the one thing you want me to, yeah, baby. Yeah, what is that chewing gum thing? Dave Grohl does that too. I think there's some kind of, uh, or, or was it Dave Grohl or, uh, the guy from Green Day, Billy, Billy Joe, uh, Armstrong. They, they, they chew gum. I think it, it, it's something relaxes them or relaxes their throat. It keeps your throat moist because there's, I think it's saliva or something goes in your throat and it, it keeps your throat wet, which you need to sing. The other big influence, which I, I know you um, you actually inducted these guys into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Sam, Sam and Dave. What a sound. And you made the point, which is so true. You used to cover Sam and Dave. A million people try to cover Sam and Dave. What was it about those guys? They're, they're uncoverable. You cannot cover Sam and Dave. The sound of those vocals, it's too much. They were great. Sam and Dave... Uh, R&B, you know, this was the height of R&B, like late 50s, early 60s. Stax kept coming out with these phenomenal records. There was a bus station in Hempstead. I don't know if you ever... Oh, yeah. That, but you know I it? know it well. And there was a record store in yep. the bus station. And they had a whole bunch of four, 45s before albums were, were really big. And you could go th through stacks of these 45s, lift them up, turn them over, and look at what was on the B-side. Right. And we were always fascinated. Well, what's this? What's this? I never heard this. I'd never heard this. So you could buy a 45 for not too much money. Right. And you could hear these songs you never heard before. What was the first 45 you ever bought? I know mine. What was it? It's embarrassing. Petula Clark, Downtown. But downtown was a good song. Good song? Good song, yeah. Good recording. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was a kid. What do I know? Petula Clark. When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go downtown. All the noise in the... It's a good record. It's uh, simple. Very simple. And not too repetitive because you always say Captain Jack is too repetitive, your song. And I don't get that. I love Captain Jack. I think it's great. But uh, People do like that song, but it gets very repetitious. It's so good. But uh, Sam and Dave, you got to induct into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That was a thrill. I, I loved Sam and Dave. I loved all those R&B, you know, Memphis groups, uh, Bucatini, MGs, Otis Redding, uh, Sam and Dave. Uh, Wilson Pickett. There was such great records that came out. Indulge me um, a couple of more influences because I want to understand this. This song by uh, the Dave Brubeck Quartet, the, it's called Take Five. Very famous song. You like this because it's played with time with time signatures or I don't understand music. So what what is it you're responding to in this? The, the weird time signature. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four. Who keeps that kind of time? Everything is usually four, four. This is five, four. One, two, three, four, five. One, one two, three, four, five. The five gets you. It's like one, two, three, and one, two. One, two, three, one, two. One, two, three, one, two. The time is nuts. So, in other words, you're listening to this on a whole different level than I am. Oh, yeah. Because you are a musician. You know what this guy's doing. I didn't actually know. I had to figure it out. Uh, you know, there's... And, uh, so, how, did, how are they keeping the beat? 
one, two, three, four, five, one. It's just against human nature. It seems to me, and I don't understand how you do this. You, I, I mentioned Dave Brubeck, and you can suddenly play it on the piano. Do, do you, is it that you've played it, but how do you just pull, pull that out? I mean, how do you know where to go? Where do you, how do you know where to put your fingers on that? I mean, it's not like you rehearsed this with me. Well, I don't, I don't always know if it's, I'm in the right key is this the original re recording. Right. But I got it in my head. If I got it in my head, I usually can make my fingers figure it out. How the fuck does that happen? I don't, I don't know. What is it about this song you love so much? Great song, great production. Righteous Brothers. Phil Spector This production. is one of those songs that's in your head all the time, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, because of why? It's a great song. It is a well-written song. The production was Phil Spector at his height. Height, yeah. And the Righteous Brothers just, they just nailed it. It was beautiful. Were you good friends with Warren Zevon? Not good friends. I, I was an acquaintance of his. And you admired his uh, songwriting because you tried to get him inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You made an effort to get him in. Is that correct? I think he deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I agree with you. I mean, the guy... Great song, right? Good piano song. You're figuring out that song right now on piano, aren't you? Yeah. Let me see. So it's in the key of A. Okay, now I know it. I saw him do that song at the bottom line. He was playing. I don't know what was going on, but he fell off the stage and then he jumped back off the got on. He was crazy on stage. I saw him at the main point in Philly, and uh, we we got together backstage and you know talk. Got a chance to talk. I just admired him. He was a brave musician. He he just he made he, he was like trying to smash the piano to pieces he was hitting it so hard and the amplification system was terrible in that little club but he just went for it you know what broke my heart i i remember when he knew he was dying you know he he knew yeah he went on letterman and he played that song it was like the last song he ever wrote about Miss me when I'm gone. Think Remember me. me, yeah. Oh, my God. I thought that was a brilliant song. Yeah. Remember me. I mean, I can barely listen to it. It's so painful. Yeah, Letterman was a big fan of his, too. Yeah. Yeah, he was, and he had him on. Keep Me In Your Heart was the name Keep of the Keep Me song. In Your Heart, yeah. yeah. Really good. What, so what happened? You you went to the... I don't know who you go to. Do you go to Jan Wenner and say, Jan, put in Warren Zevon? What do you do? I just sent a letter to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame address that I had right and said uh, you know I, I really think this guy deserves to be uh, you know to in and he, he didn't make it unfortunately but yeah no that is that I was is. a big fan of his I, I sometimes I look at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and I don't understand the selection like I was thinking Bad Company was such a good band like, great band and that guy the lead singer uh, Paul Rogers I mean what a great singer great singer man how is that guy not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame you know what I mean it's just a, such an arbitrary thing did Paul Rogers sing uh, what's that one it's all right now free that's when he was in the band free free and great singer great singer really good yeah really good the um, I saw you on. I got to find this page that I put together because uh, I want to. I want to. You were on Stephen Colbert, and he asked you. It was a good question. He said to you, "What are your top five Billy Joel songs?" And I couldn't believe you got it wrong. You picked the wrong five songs uh, as your top five Billy Joel songs. What did I pick? You picked. Let me see. I'm going. Okay, I'll play your top five. You picked, okay, 
Scenes from an Italian restaurant. Okay. Great song. Don't get me wrong. But we're picking your top five. What a song, though. Maybe it is. <laughs> I mean. You have to do this in concert, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. This is mandatory. If you don't do it, people will throw things at you. Yeah, probably. But it's a combination of like three or four songs. I know. You said to me, you told me that this was inspired by Abbey Road. Where yes. The Beatles just used pieces of songs. Yes. Yeah, what a beautiful song. But anyway, here's your top five. You chose Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. She's Right on Time from Nylon Curtain. Beautiful song, don't get me wrong. You may be right. You may be right. You like the energy. I may be crazy. Great song. I had a cold when I did this. What do you mean? You recorded it with a cold? I had a cold. But why wouldn't you wait three days to record it? Uh, we, just, we were just hot to do it. And I said, you know what? Maybe having a cold gives it a different sound. Huh. You may be right. Well, you can I sing. Don't you thank God you can sing? I mean, like, you talk about Burt Bacharach. Here's a guy, brilliant songwriter. He's got to go get other people to sing his songs. Thank God you can hit those notes. I don't even like my voice. Oh, you say that. That's no, I don't. I, I don't like my... I, don't, I, I like other people's voices. I like black singers. You know, I like people with grit in their voice. I like Ray Charles and Joe Cocker. Um, but I hear my voice back in I've got like a choir boy voice, like a, like a kid in church. Well, you said with the new song, I was shocked to hear you say that, that you wrote this with Adele in mind. You wanted her to sing it. I thought it would be a good song for Adele. I didn't even think about me doing it. I just thought about, you know, this is a good song. I'll get back to your top, as long as we're on the new song. Let me get, I'll get back to your top five, because I'm sure people are interested in that. And then I'll tell you what your top five songs are. Because okay. you look at me, I'm a disc jockey. Yeah, I know all this stuff. You would know. I would know. You know that. Um, the, the new song is so beautiful. I, I keep going through my mind that this song didn't exist for 30 years when you stopped, you know, writing songs. And now it's here. And the idea of turning the lights back on in a relationship. I'm, I assume you're talking about a relationship, but maybe you're talking about your relationship to music. But have I waited too long? Ha, you know, I could have been a better husband. I could have been a better boyfriend. I could have been a better parent, maybe even. But I neglected the role. And now I'm full of regret. And is it too late to turn the lights back on? Who are we talking about here? What's what's going on, Billy? Well, I'm not going to get specific with it. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, but, you are. You know, you know this. There's a song. There's a singer, uh, a French singer, Edith Piaf. She did a song called "Je Ne Regrette," which means oh, this song. This is it. Big big hit for her. You knew this song. I went and looked up the lyrics to this thing, and she's saying, in life, I have no, no regrets. regrets, which is absurd. Yes, that's I, what I thought. And so that's how you wrote this song. You're answering her. I wanted to answer. Uh, it's like Woody, uh, Woody Guthrie wrote, this land is your land, this land is my land, as a reaction to uh, 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 God Bless America. Uh, who sang that? A uh, woman sang it. Oh, um, famous woman. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, when the fat lady sings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's Kate her name? Smith. No, Kate, Kate, Kate Smith. Smith. Thank you, That's Robin. It. Kate Smith. Yes. 
which was written by uh, uh, Irving Berlin. Yes. But it was, it was like a super patriotic song. And he said, wait a minute, there's another a lot of the population where things aren't so great but it's our land this is our land your land my land and i i thought when i heard you know the guy said you know anybody who's really lived must have regrets i mean i owe a thousand apologies to thousands of people me too uh, I have lots of regrets. Yes, of course. How can you live a life with no regrets? I, I don't believe that. So I wanted to respond to it. Uh, do you, do you, when you, you, you just made me think when you said that. Do you ever pick up the phone and call people that you feel you owe an apology to? Yes. You do? Yes. Isn't it the most difficult thing? I mean, some things you have to apologize for that are real, that people can't forgive you for, right? It's the hardest thing in the world to do. Well, I've thought about doing it, and I have done it. And, I mean, I go back to, like, elementary school. I have regrets. Uh, there was somebody in my English class who I had a crush on a girl, and she and I, I, I never I got up the nerve to say anything to her. And, and then I found out she thought I was a creep. Mm. And I felt so bad. I wasn't. I wasn't trying to stalk you. I just thought you. You know, I just had a crush on you. Yeah, and even like breaking up with someone the wrong way. You know. Yes, I have regrets about that too. Yeah, a lot of it has to do with women, but even like men, you might have hurt too, right? Yes. Yeah. No, I've hurt people without meaning to. Right. You know, it, it was like thoughtless kind of thing. I know, because sometimes you're just caught up in your own life and you don't think of something. And then later on, maybe you get some wisdom and you pick up the phone and you call that person. Have you ever picked up the phone and called someone and they said, Billy, I think it's really nice that you called, but I can't forgive you? No, I never got that. I got it. Oh, you did? That must yeah. have been tough. It was tough. It was tough, but uh, I understood why. Okay. You know, I understood why. And I, and, I, and I thank this guy. I said, you know... I respect what you're saying. I just want you to know I don't want anything from you. But I feel I treated you wrong, and uh, I want you to know it. And I, I was proud of myself for doing it, you know. But getting back to the song, how can you live a life without regret? I don't believe it's possible. And that, so, so okay. I'm unless you're Jesus Christ, unless you're a saint. I'm going to get back to these uh, top five songs, because I really do want to make you aware of what your top five songs are. But... With this uh, song, Turn the Lights Back On, I know you hadn't written a song in a long time. I'm walking around on Long Island. This kid, young kid comes up to me. He says, uh, hey, Howard Stern, you, you know Billy Joel, right? I go, of course I know Billy Joel. He, I, he's on my show, blah, blah, blah. Oh, he goes, uh, I'm trying to get him to write a new song. I go, who the fuck are you? What do you mean? I, I mean, I'm trying to. Everyone's trying to get Billy to write a new song. But it was this dude, Freddie Wexler. It was Freddie? It was Freddie. His parents lived on my block, and he saw me walking around. I said, I know what I said to him. I said, good luck getting Billy to write a new song. He ain't doing it. It's not his thing. He's not going to sit there with you. He said, well, it's my dream. It's blah, 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 blah. How I long said, ago was this? This was uh, a few summers ago. Wow. Yeah, I ran into this guy. I said, I'll tell you the list of people who tried to. Elton John's tried to get Billy to write new music. Um, who else? I, I, I started to name people who have tried to get you into the studio. Rick Rubin, Clive Davis. Yes. I, you know, Elton he, John. Yeah, Elton John always said to you, <clears throat> write a new song, Billy, please. You're too good at it not to do it. And you said, I don't want to do it. How did this kid, who looked like he was 12 years old to me, how did he get you to write a new song? I'm, I met this guy f for lunch. 
in Sag Harbor, near where I live. How did he get a hold of you? He knew, his doctor knew my doctor. It was a very weird way. Of, uh, somehow or another got to me from my family doctor. Said, uh, some guy wants to meet you. Said, ah, okay. You know, he's a fan. Yeah. And it was, that was pretty much it. I thought, it's, you know, do something for the doctor. So meet the guy. Right. So you got to do that shit for your doctor, right? Because you don't want to piss your doctor off. No, I want my doctor to take care of me. Right, right. So I meet this guy at a restaurant, and we're, we're talking. And all of a sudden, this uh, I thought it was going to be a young kid. He was in his 30s. He's got a, his own family. Yeah. He lives in L.A. And he's a songwriter himself, and he's a pro record producer. And he, all of a sudden, I, I recognize, wait a minute, this guy knows what he's talking about. It's not just a fan who likes the music. He knows how to write songs. He goes, why don't, why don't you want to run? Why don't you want to write? I, I just don't want to. I put myself through the grist mill by yeah. doing this, and it's it's a torturous process because I have a high bar, and if it's not good enough, I'm not going to write it. Right. Because, but we we really want to hear new music. I, I don't. Oh, that's fine. So you want to hear it, but I don't want to do it. And one way or the other, he got me to think about working together with him he said do you have any songs you haven't finished and i said yeah sure i got bits and pieces of things i gave him a, a demo tape of my unfinished stuff oh so that was a good technique in other words it wasn't like a full-on committal it's like hey here's some shit that i have laying around the scraps yeah. things ideas this kind of stuff yeah i don't want to uh finish them because well, for whatever reason they're unfinished and if you have a good idea let me know right so we did that for a while. We tossed ideas around. What's a scrap? What it, like what did you send him that uh, inspired the song? Like did you send him a, something on the piano, like a little? It's me and singing and a and a piece of a uh, of a song idea. Um, what might that be? Like what would that sound like? Um, How minimal does it get? Um, na na. I can't. How does it go? Like that. That's it. That's it. No lyric. No lyrics. Barely a melody. Uh, there's a couple of things I did. And so the reason you like this kid, Freddie Wexler, is you send him those and he gets what you're doing there. He says, I hear something here. Maybe we could do this, that, the other thing. He knew music. He knew how to play the piano. He knew how to write songs. So he said, let me try to come up with, uh, you know, something in this idea that you have. Right. And uh, we, we kept it around for a while. And he came to me with the idea for turning the lights back on. Right. Uh, they had started writing he, with he, him and some other guys had come up with some ideas. And he played like a rough 
idea of what it was to me. He sent you back a piano track, no lyrics. He sat me down. We were together one day. He said, I want you to hear this. And he sat me down and he, and he played it for me. And I said, that's a pretty good idea. I like so that. So all you had was the music, in other words. He wasn't giving you a, a thought of uh, regrets. Or there, was some li- there was some lyrics. Right. Uh, and I got the, the gist of the song. It's a, a, about regret. Mm-hmm. About, uh, you know, these two people are having uh, uh, an issue with something. He, please open the door. You know, uh this uh, nothing is different we've been here before so wait a minute i know that situation you know <laughs> right. he's in the doghouse right and he's got to do a little bit of groveling and uh, i i get it i've been there beautiful song Please open the door. Nothing i love how your voice sounds on the record too before pacing these halls trying to talk my wife over broke into tears when she heard this i mean it's an emotional song. It, it gets you the chills immediately. This is an interesting vocal for me. I Usually I, I do a recording and I'm singing and I go back into the control room and I hear a playback and it's me singing and I never like my own voice. Yeah, I'm always disappointed. Uh, the singer is not good. You know, somebody like Ray Charles or, uh, you know, uh, Rod Stewart should sing this. But I actually heard the vocal on this recording. And you liked it. And I didn't hate it. Oh, that's progress. I can't say I liked it. I I was like, I don't hate that. That's one of the first times that's ever happened to me. Jeez, it's such a beautiful song. You know, I was watching you on the Grammys when you played this. I'm thinking, oh, this beautiful. is a great lyric yeah i used to be romantic i forgot somehow and doesn't that happen so many times yes you take the person for granted yes and every psychiatrist will tell you listen you got to put some effort you got to think of the other person you got to put some energy Uh, oh but i got busy i i it's the worst regret it's a very natural human thing you just you know you take things for granted when the fuck did you write this about I'm not telling you. You have to tell me. I can't. It's a woman, right? Partly, yes. Partly? Oh. Yeah, but there's, there's, there's a double meaning to it. What do you mean? Part of it is about a relationship, and part of it is about my own my own life. Like, uh, is it too late to turn I'm putting out a new record. Wait a minute. Do I get a, a second chance here? Right. That kind of thing. I had the feeling this was about your own relationship to music. Yes. Why? Maybe an album's coming out. That's what I'm getting from this. I don't know. Maybe. I, anything's possible. I'm, I'm, I'm now open to collaborating with other writers now. It's a little safer, isn't it? It's like it's not all on your shoulders. That's what I was getting at. Like the Beatles had each other to rely on. It. Yes, there were four guys. Yeah. Um, like when I was writing songs and they had uh, the, the band... Was with me, that was with me for many, many years. I would throw ideas at them and, you know, bounce off of them. And songwriting, it's so lonely. Yeah. You're all by yourself and you're putting yourself through this torturous process. You beat yourself up and it, it's painful. You know what I was thinking about you? Wouldn't it have been great if George Harrison and Tom Petty had asked you to be in the Traveling Wilburys? 
I wanted to do something like that. It would have been fantastic. You would have collaborated with those guys. You should have been in that band. I thought about putting together a band, me, Don Henley, and Sting. Oh. And maybe John Mayer on guitar. Whoa. Well, let's do it. Well, everybody's busy. Is that what they told you? Well, you always say to the other guys, yeah, I'll see you on the road and we'll get together. And you never do it. But how great would that be if you guys spent a month just presenting ideas? A super group. Well, that used to be a thing. Remember Blind Faith? Oh, Steve yeah. Winwood and Eric Clapton. Steve Winwood's one of my heroes, by the way. Why? I think he is a great musician. I love his voice. He sa- he sings like Ray Charles. He's a skinny English white guy, but he sounds like Ray Charles. And he plays great. He plays exactly the right thing. Play like Steve time. Winwood. Go ahead, Billy. Do it. Be Steve Winwood. Uh, I beg see. of you. It's been so long. He did he did all those traffic songs. Oh, traffic was a great band. too high i love that song love that too john barley corn must die all those songs all those songs were so good now he they, he did blind faith with eric Clapton. what happened they came out with this huge album they headlined you know madison square garden and then they they split up yeah, what do you think of that it's almost good but that's eric clapton's thing why did he do that with cream cream was like the greatest band three guys i know jack bruce on bass and they already said goodbye after three albums three albums it's like well what are you what, what are you doing why right when yeah. you have that kind of success go with it they were phenomenal phenomenal were but none of those bands really lasted they always broke up why is it so hard you see i don't understand this i know like i have my show with robin and fred and the guys i know i got a good thing going i I said you got something good try to keep it together cream was the ultimate it's like a marriage though some you know the the clash of egos had to be amazing uh in cream you had jack bruce you had ginger baker eric clapton they were all egomaniacs was jack bruce the best bass player you've ever heard one of them Absolutely. Why? Because he played chords on the bass, right? Like he, he played chords on the bass. He came up with these phenomenal songs. I mean, he was a great songwriter in his own right, Jack Bruce. Right, and a great voice. Great voice, great singer. Um, but it must have been torturous for them to live with each other, to be with each other. Have you ever intervened like a marriage counselor and gone to a band and said, assholes, you're really good, stay together? I never had the opportunity to do that. When you were, what I was going to say is, I, I watched you on the Grammys. Classic Grammys era. You should have been on first. Billy Joel comes out and opens the show. Was it, 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 do you agree with me? I didn't really have a choice about that. It was, they, I was invited to debut a brand new song on the Grammys, which doesn't, so what? But doesn't usually happen on the Grammys. No. They, they don't debut new material. It's all material that's been hits. Was it torture for you to sit there all night? It was like a four hour broadcast and i'm sitting there I, because i know you i'm thinking look some of that music i don't know if well, well, I, I don't know what you made of it some of it was good some of it not so good if i can be honest 
But uh, you sitting there in that audience watching this thing go down, I bet you were just like, let me get the fuck on the stage and just do this thing. Actually, I enjoyed it. You did? Yes. Really? I, I didn't know what I was going to make of it. Because I used to have to go as a nominee to these award show categories, which I was never comfortable with. Oh, who's got, who's better? Me or you? Who's number one? Who would you be up against in those days? I mean, uh, I was up against like Christopher Cross yeah. and Toto and uh, <laughs> Steely Dan. I mean, we we were all, you know, I, I didn't think of myself as competing with these guys. I was uncomfortable. Right. Like you won. And, and, and you know how on the TV show, they always show the losers, you know, at the moment when their name isn't announced. Right. And the winner is. Yeah. And then this guy, and then you sit there and you clap. Hey, hey, great. Good for you. And, and they, they love that shot. Right. Oh, yeah. So I went to the Grammys a couple of years ago and I ran into Sting. Now, you know when they, they set up the seating, here's a celebrity, and then there's some fill-in seats, then there's another celebrity. Right. They sprinkle you throughout the audience. And you're not supposed to sit celebrity and then celebrity. <laughs> so I'm staying and I said, to hell with this. Let's sit together. Right. And... Whenever somebody else wins that isn't us, we're going to make the most horrible faces. Boo, thumbs down, f middle finger up, blah, you know, puking noises. And we did that throughout the show. They didn't show it. Wow. Because they, they were sick of you, too. I guess we were like making fun of the whole thing. Uh, you admire Sting. Yes. You're going out on. Describe to me what this tour is where other. I think it's Stevie Nicks, Sting. Who else is going on tour with you? Well, we're not really doing a tour together. We're playing spot gigs here and there. It's not a tour. Right. And and Sting will be with you on some of those shows? We're doing a, sh a couple of shows with Sting and stadiums. Whoa. They're big stadium shows. Yeah, what a good show. And uh, we're doing a couple with Stevie Nicks. Right. I'm doing some with Rod Stewart. Oh, wow. And there's somebody else, too, I think. Yeah, there's, uh, it was uh, Stevie Nicks, Rod Stewart, Sting... That's the names I heard. Yeah, that's it. When you put together a show like that, is a little is it a little bit like running for president? In other words, you're picking your vice president. Well, Stevie Nicks is good in the Midwest. I've got the Northeast. Is there a little bit of that kind of calculation? Yeah, we try to think about what's going to be copacetic. Right. You know, we want a good musician. We want we think about your audience. What would they like? Right. What would they like to see? What would they like to hear? And um, even though, like Stevie Nicks is a West Coast musician, and her music is very different from mine. Right. We're both singer songwriters, so we have that. Uh, the crowd is going to be music aficionados not necessarily hollywood you know celebrity lovers stevie nicks what a pack i mean i'm remembering her in the heyday what a first of all fabulous looking human being and the songwriting ability yeah the stuff that came out of her was unbelievable she's a great musician are you friendly with her yes yeah, like will you pick up the phone and say hey, stevie what are you doing how are you doing yes i'm yeah. not kidding i didn't know if you had relationships like that i see you as a loner sitting in bed watching the history channel all day you know I do I mean? that a lot, too. <laughs> you still doing that? Yeah. Even with the kids? They watch it and they, they yell at me. It's boring. Yeah. This is boring. By the way, how the hell are you staying healthy for these tours? Kids, especially the kids you have at that young age. I mean, how old are the kids now? Eight and six. Okay. I mean, even when your kids come over to my house, I sit there and go, hey, kids. There's germs in this room. Don't stay away from me. I need my voice for talking on the radio. Do you get paranoid around the kids? Because kids get every cold and every virus. Nah, I ain't worried about that. You don't. You're not paranoid like that. No, no. Yeah, I know. I'm I know. not a germaphobe. <laughs> you walk in a room, shake people's hands. Uh, you yeah, know. I don't care. It's unbelievable. I'll take my chances. But 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 um, 
It's fun. It's fun having young kids. But uh, the, but you will have friends like Stevie Nicks. You will call, you have musicians that you will call and you know have maintain a friendly relationship. Yes, Sting. Uh, you'll call Sting. I'll call Henley. I talk to you all the time. Uh, and, McCartney. And, and, I talk to a lot. You do? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's got to be a trip. He's, uh, you know, he's the regular guy. But you don't talk music with him. We do sometimes. Why not say to him, now here, you want a super group. Say to him, listen, you're sitting around pulling your pud. Let's you and me go and we'll start a little group. We'll see what happens. Well, you he, and Paul McCartney. Yeah, but he was in the superest group of all time. I, I mean, know, but so what? Beatles. I, I don't have the nerve to do that. I, I can't. You want me to say something to this guy? You can say whatever you like. Would you, would you be offended if I called Paul McCartney and said, Paul, I have a fabulous idea. I want you to just spend a few hours with Billy Joel, maybe writing a few songs. What do you, you You don't mind? No. I'm going to do it. Good. I don't bullshit you. Okay. I'm doing it. Who do you want as your drummer? As long as I'm at it. Who do I want as my drummer? Ringo would be good. You want Ringo? Ringo is a great drummer. He doesn't get the credit he deserves. He was Everyone phenomenal. says that. Everyone says that. Why? Because he, he didn't get in the way of the song, right? He knew just what the, the right thing was to play. He didn't get in the way of the great writing and, and the, the novel productions that they did. He, was, he played the right thing, which sometimes is the hardest thing to do. You, Paul McCartney, Ringo, and... Uh Guitar? You know, a really good guitar player. My favorite guy died recently, Jeff Beck. Oh, what a guitar player. My favorite guitarist of all time. Why was he so good? He was just a phenomenal, natural musician. He had his, kind of like Hendrix. He was kind of a freak of nature. He played the guitar wrong. His technique was, you know, taboo. And he did his own thing. He created his own chord structures. Uh, it was brilliant, brilliant. The was, other guy would be Jimmy Page. Was his, uh, oh, Jimmy Page you want? I love Jimmy Page. You want him as your guitar player? Yeah. I'd, be, I'd be great. Okay. I'm on it. Uh, you're on it? I'm on it. If okay. I can make this, this will be the, would you, Slash? No. Jimmy Page you want. Jimmy Page. Okay. He's, All right. He's a great musician. You know, it's, it's, it's what's that song? Yeah. Cashmere. Cashmere. I mean, brilliant. brilliant, brilliant music. What a band I'm putting together. <laughs> if I pull this off, it'll be the greatest accomplishment of my life. Yeah, good luck, Chuck. Why do we only worship guitar heroes? You know, kids, like every, everyone knows Eddie Van Halen. Everyone, but the piano players never get their due, right? Is it because it's sort of like you guys are static, you have to sit at the piano? That's part of it. The body language is, is hard to project. Um, it's also considered to be kind of a geeky instrument. Right. If you play the piano, you must have taken lessons. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, nah, nah, nah. kids don't want to do that. They want the guy to just appear suddenly out of, you know, out of the blue. After you put out this brilliant new song, and it's brilliant. I'm telling you, it was worth the wait. I loved it. And uh, I see the reaction. And I can't tell you how many of my friends have called me and said, what do you think of Billy's new song? I don't know if they think I'm Billy Joel Central or whatever, but people are talking about it. My daughter's called me. What do you think of Billy's new song? Blah, 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 blah. People are very moved by it. To create a song that's moving and deep and all of that. 
Did the, these guys like Elton John, who'd been after you for years to write a new song, did he pick up the phone and call you and say, Billy, well done? I haven't heard from him. Isn't that strange? But it, we, we, we talk. We're, we're, we're good. Oh, yeah. We're, we're fine. Well, do you get, like, in your head, like, why is Elton not picking up the phone and calling me and saying, hey, I like that you put out a new song? He does that for everyone else. No, I got a, I got a phone call from McCartney about it. You did? Yeah, he thought it was a good song, which would thrilled me. What did he say? He called me up. We did a show at the Garden not uh, about a week ago. Right. And we played a Beatles song during the show to mark the 60th anniversary of when they appeared on Ed Sullivan. Wow. And they did, um, what was the song they did? The first appearance? Yeah. Uh. All My Lovin'. Close your eyes. And uh, we did that song. And Paul called me up to thank me for doing that at the Garden. Wow. To commemorate their first show on Ed Sullivan. And, I mean, can you imagine? I remember that so vividly. Me too. It's crazy. I was so excited when I saw that. Isn't that the power of music, though? We don't remember probably so many things in our lives, but you remember that. Yes. Man, it is. And for you as a musician, it had to be mind-blowing. It was. It was a life-changing experience. I became a professional musician because of that show. Do you ever sit and say, thank God for the piano as an instrument? Like oh, yeah. somebody? Do you know the name of the guy who invented the piano? It was an Italian name. I don't remember it. It's funny because I don't know the name of the guy who invented it. But think about how bizarre it is. Some dude figured out, I'll invent a piano. And here you are years later. You bought into this thing. And like it's it, it saved your life, really, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely saved my life. Uh, before there was a piano, there was other keyboard instruments that weren't the same mechanics. A uh, piano has hammers. Uh, actually, the piano it comes from a longer word, piano forte, which means loud, uh, which soft, loud, piano forte, soft, loud. So you can get loud and soft. Before the piano, there was harpsichords, but you couldn't get soft and loud because they didn't have that kind of expression. Some guy, crazy guy, fooling around in his garage in Italy somewhere, <laughs> came up with the idea of a hammer striking the string. Then you could hit it harder, you could hit it softer, you could make it sustain. You could, you know, uh, harpsichord is a beautiful sound, but it's limited in its expression. When you sit down at the piano at home, what is the song that you always go to to start warming up? Like when you just want to play, what do you play? I'm just doing it by ear. I'm playing it all wrong. It's the 13th variation on a theme by Paganini, written by Rachmaninoff. It's a wow. beautiful piece of music. And it's based on this. It, it touches something inside of me that starts to just burn and vibrate. It's, 
something about that. Do you get lost in it? I mean, can yes. you go for hours and just do that, what you're doing there? Yes. Sometimes I just play a, a concert for me. Wow. And I'm thinking, well, people would pay money for this. Shit, yeah, yeah. And I'm playing it all wrong. I'm playing it in the wrong key. I'm making mistakes left and right. But I, the, the fact that I can do that it's with amazing. my own hands, yeah, it, it, it thrills me. It's got to. It's. It's. I'm, I'm watching you do this, and I go, I, "Where the hell is this coming from?" It's so insane to me. It's. It's. It, maybe it's genetic because my kids have it. My oldest daughter Alexa has it. My two youngest kids have it. They both sing. They. Uh, Della is eight years old. She's picking out uh, the song I just wrote. Um, uh. Oh, really? The lights back on. Yeah, turn the lights back on. She's what? picking it out on, on the piano already. She never had piano lessons. I think it's in the blood. Are you going to get her piano lessons or you don't believe in that? I think she should have piano lessons. She's got a, a piano in her room now so she can pick this stuff out. But she's uh, got it. You know, she's got whatever that is. I still have to get back to your top five songs and why they were not the right top five. Uh, I don't want to forget the thing about the Grammys. You were asking me how oh, I felt. Yes, yeah. When I was there, so here I am sitting at this table and um, I'm with my wife, and I'm with a uh, few other people I knew at the table. And then at the table next to her, here's Taylor Swift. Here's Olivia Rodrigo over here. Here's Billie Eilish over here. And this one's over here, and that one's over there. And I was kind of, you know, I haven't been around these a lot of these younger artists. I said, oh, this is kind of cool. You know, this is kind of cool. Look who it is. Uh, and I got to meet Meryl Streep was there. Right. All these big shots, these celebrities. And I'm impressed with that. Yeah, but, but I... I would assume that these young kids who are now, you know, Olivia Rodrigo, even Taylor Swift, I would think they'd come over to pay respect to the man who's done it all already and, ha and sold over 160 million records. Well, everybody was like so busy with their own thing. Uh, you they, know, wait a second, Billy. They don't come up to you and say, Mr. Joel, uh, I, I just want to thank you for your career. I've listened to your music. I have a question. Would you? Can I get your advice on something? There's none of that going on. No, there was that. I mean, Olivia Rodrigo did come over and and say hello to me. I met her before we worked together before. Right. I saw her at the garden with you. She came up and did something. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's great. Yeah. Uh, and that happened with a couple of other people. I don't remember everybody, but somebody Neo. Neo. Uh, who else? Uh, uh, I'm leaving a lot of people out. I met so many people, and I hadn't schmoozed like that for years. Right. I haven't been to the Grammys for a long time. But it felt good yeah. to schmooze? Yeah, I enjoyed it. In a way, do you feel like as you've gotten older, you've isolated yourself from that kind of scene? Yes. And maybe it's not a good thing. Like, you should be around younger musicians. You should be around musicians in general. You're right. You're right. Yeah, but it's hard when you got kids, you got a marriage, you got touring. It's it's you lose yourself sometimes. With well, that. the thing, when if, if it's just about the music, that's fun. When it's about the music business, it's not always fun. Sometimes it's just too much business, not enough music. Speaking of the business, have you? The last time I spoke to you on the air, you said I'm not selling my catalog. I mean, these guys now are all selling their catalogs. They're getting big numbers. Good for them. Uh, you're not doing it? Not yet. No, if somebody offers me enough. What uh, the hell would your, in your mind, the catalog be worth? Because, I mean, I'm, you're talking about a staggering amount of hits. We're not talking about, I mean, th these are big records, important records. What in your mind could that number be? I, I would always consider a billion dollars. And if you got a billion dollars, <laughs> well, yeah, well, well, that's not a crazy number for what you're talking about here. We see what other artists are getting. 
Bruce sold. Were you shocked? No, everybody's got a right to do whatever they want with their catalog. Maybe it's a turn on to say, hey, I'm, it's, I'm older now. It would be nice to turn this into like something I could, you know, spend. Or not that you're going to spend it, but or, or to, to to see it monetized somehow. Well, it was, uh, you know, they were kind of like my kids. I gave uh-huh. birth to these songs. I went through a labor and a pregnancy and a birthing process, and I brought them up. And I, I'm very attached to them. I have very, very strong feelings about the material I wrote. And to just sell them, I don't know, it seems a little mercenary. Yeah, and it's nice to have the control. But but, but in your mind, these songs one day will go to your children, your wife, or whatever, and they will manage yes. your catalog and, and hopefully manage it in the way that you would want it. Yes, and it's it, that can actually be lucrative in its own way. Yeah. It's a constant revenue stream. Uh, they're always making money. How did it work, Billy? When you first signed, is it, you you got your first record deal like fifteen, right? I mean, you were fifteen years old. Yes, <laughs> that's insane to me. I, I, if only I could have had a record deal at fifteen, maybe some girls would have looked at me in high school. <laughs> but uh, you you get a, a record deal at fifteen, and you know you put out your first records, and the record company has you by the balls. By the time you get to even, um, well, certainly by the time you get to Piano Man. The record company now, I can't imagine what they they lather you with in terms of praise, in terms of gifts, in terms of like worship. And does the deal significantly change? Do you suddenly, are you in a position where you can start getting X amount of dollars per album sold? You can renegotiate. You can. Yes, what your deal is. However, if you've signed, originally signed a deal where they own the master's, you may have to wait for a long, long time to get ownership of the masters. Wow. They own your recording. So any record I've made that was made for Columbia Records, they own. They own the record. They don't own the song. That's a whole other deal. Right. I own the song rights. I own the copyrights. But the recording itself is owned by Columbia Records. When you first signed uh, Cold Spring Harbor on that album... It, it, the deal must have been horrible, right? Yeah, it was yeah. awful. And and uh, so you get pennies for every album sold. Yes. Yeah. And then as it goes along, then you say to them, listen, man, this is ridiculous. I'm not making another record. We got to renegotiate. And the deal suddenly becomes lucrative. I mean, the days you could sell. You sold 160 million albums. These artists today, I don't know how they make a living because the streaming isn't, the revenue isn't that strong. Yeah, the business is totally different now based on streaming. Right. People now are making more money live. Let me go back to your top five. So you said these are your top five songs when you were talking to Stephen Colbert. Scenes from an Italian restaurant. Right. She's right on time. You may be right. You may be right. I may be crazy. So it goes. Oh, this song gets me. Stormfront, 1989. Wow. Any thoughts about this song? That's my top song now. That's your top? Yeah. You always play it in concert? No. No? No. Why? Because is it considered a deeper cut? Well, we do it once in a while. You got to read the crowd. It's a oh, very really? quiet song. And if they're not going to really want to hear it, you don't do it. 
You mean you'll change the set list when you're at Madison Square Garden, you're playing for all those people, and you maybe are thinking, I'll play, and so it goes. And then you say to yourself, eh, this crowd isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of like a football game. A quarterback's got to call whatever play he thinks, you know, it's going to work. Oh, I thought you had it all arranged ahead of time. We have a set list, but that's kind of like the Christmas tree. Now it's like what ornaments we're going to hang on. Was this a tough song to write? Yes. Yeah, it was very emotional writing the song. What were you thinking? I was thinking my heart was broken. And and uh, you had this this tune, you had this piano piece. Yes. And then did it come to you like, a, did you know this piece, the mood of this music feels like a heartbreak? Yes, it had to be about a broken heart. The, the, even the chords have a dis, dissonant note in them. A suspension is a hanging note that you want to resolve. And what's a dissonant note? Uh, if I was doing it without the dissonant, it would sound like this. The dissonant note is... Oh, that's what gets me. You know when you were writing that, that's what gets you. Yes, it's the dissonance. It's this, there's this sadness in something that should be uh, sweet. Uh, as soon as you hit that note, I get the chills. It's a sour note. You knew it when you were writing it. You yes. knew that you heard that you went, oh, I'm going to hit this note. It's, yeah. It's fucking amazing. To me. There's, there's notes like that in great compositions. Um, I, I, to go back, back to Beethoven, he, in his third symphony, which was the Eroica, he originally wrote it for Napoleon. When he, he thought Napoleon was a good guy. Then Napoleon crowns himself emperor of Europe. And Beethoven is so pissed. He, he just wrote this entire symphony for this charlatan. And there's a note in the third symphony. Uh, it builds and it builds and it goes. Hear the dissonance there? Yeah. But that dissonance doesn't, that makes me angry. Your dissonance makes me emotional. Okay. Right? Same to you. Don't you think? That's not a very pretty sound, what you just played. It's not supposed to be pretty. There's supposed to be something jarring in it. They had never... I don't think audiences had ever heard that kind of combination of notes before. So when you wrote this song, and so it goes, you were heartbroken. And you said, I'm going to sit down and write about heartbreak, or it's just the music was just coming out of you, pouring out of you? The music signaled that this needs to be something melancholy, something uh, uh, that made that created some sadness. This was a woman that broke up with you? Didn't really break up with me. It wasn't going to work out, and it didn't work out. Why didn't it work out? We were mismatched. Um... This is about uh, a woman who, uh, she went off to be a model in Europe, and uh, she became very successful. And uh, when we came back, when she came back from Europe, uh, it just wasn't, wasn't going to happen. She never like, rejected me, but just made it known that, nah, this is not happening. But I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. I saw it coming. And that's the worst, because you want it to work so badly. Yeah. In every heart, there is a room. A sanctuary safe and strong to heal the wounds from lovers past until a new one comes along. So the only salvation 
is finding a new love. Which happens to people all the time. Yeah. And when you were, when you were, you know, the music was coming out of you, this, the, 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 the piano piece. Then you sat there and said, what? I'm going to, I'm going to, and, and then words start to form. How does it go? Well, I knew that the opening line was going to be very important. And a word like sanctuary has a good resonance to it. Sanctuary. Yeah. Uh, what was that movie? Uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Sanctuary! <laughs> right. It's just one of those good-sounding words. Is that a word that you would write down sometime and go, I kind of yes. come up with a... You did? It was in my notebook. I said, we gotta, this, you got to find a place for this. got to be a home for this word. That's smart. Sanctuary. Because when you're in the midst of songwriting, you can open that book and say, oh, yeah, sanctuary. Yeah. I have oh a notebook God. had a lot of spare parts in it. And it became, in every heart, there is a room, a sanctuary. Right. Wow, that's just great. All right, and then finishing out your top five, you said Vienna, of course. I, I would figure you would say that because I know you love this song so much. And it's got a great story. All right, but here is your top five. This is how you should have answered Stephen Colbert, if I may be so bold. Street Life Serenader. Street Life Serenade is the album I've heard over and over again more times than any other album. It's I, I went through college listening to this album at least once a day. Huh. The entire album. Me and my roommate. That was it. That's what we did. It's very obscure. It's such a good album. I was trying to be Debussy here. And the piano. Who are you trying to be there? Claude Debussy. What do you mean? Debussy was a classical composer around the turn of the century, and he wrote a, a piece called Au Claire de Lune. I don't know if you ever heard it. It was uh, an impressionistic piece wow. during the era of uh, impressionism, and it was very, very different. It was considered very modern at the time, and it's a beautiful piece of music. It's, it's got a mood to it that's, uh, I don't know, French, European, just, you just get carried away listening to that stuff. And that's how you do it. You say, hey, I like that piece. I want to I want to channel that guy, and I want to write something like that. Yeah, I almost... It's like translating music into words. Uh, I hear a piece of music. I don't need words. I don't... I, I listen to symphonic music. I don't need somebody singing. But for what I do, songwriting is translating the emotion of music into words. A lot of people write the words first. They, right. They write poetry first, and they set it to music. I'm exactly the opposite. I write the music first and then i set it to words what is it you said the stones do they write the music first and then they come up with sounds they come up with vowels. Uh, uh, keith richards has a name for it vowel movements <laughs> <laughs> which i think is you know brilliant they uh, like with that's what they came up with first So Mick was probably dancing around going, Bobby up! Had to find out what you never saw. 
Well, start me up. Oh, start me up. Write that down. Write that's that down. That's how you do it. Yeah. I think that's how they do it. Whatever sounds right on top of the music, that's what they start to write. All right. Here's your top five. Street Life Serenader. Then we go right to Good Night, Saigon. When you do this at Madison Square Garden and you bring up the military heroes, no dry eye in the house. It is emotional. Come on. Oh, my God. And this part? Even the maraca. Everything perfect. Perfect. Oh, we came in spastic like tameless horses. Where the hell did you pull that out of? I don't know. That's un- you don't know, do you? No, sometimes I don't know. I don't know where it came from or what motivated me to write it, but it, it seemed like the right thing. We came in spastic. Of course, we're talking about soldiers now. We came in spastic like tameless horses. We left in plastic as numbered corpses. Fuck. Heavy well, line. I remember seeing those, those caskets come back with the flag around them. It just tore me up. You avoid political songs, so to speak, but you had to say something, right? You had to say something about the Vietnam War. I wanted to say thank you to the veterans. Damn that was right. my way of thanking them. Yeah, it's a beautiful way of thanking them. Now, I don't even... How could you leave off the Billy Joel Top 5, this song? This is... when I, when I, I It's unbelievable. See the lights go out on Come on. What, what do you mean? You, not so good? No, it's... It's a good song. It's a science fiction song. I know. Miami 2017. From Turnstiles, 1976. Does it seem like all those years ago? Like, does it seem like only yesterday you wrote that? Or does it seem like 1976? It sounds like a long time ago. Feels like it. Yeah. A long time's gone by. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I thought that was a good song. Uh, with a strange, you know, lyric uh, about the, the apocalypse happening. Yeah, but for you, when I play that for you, I see you kind of like move into your own head. Are you going right back to the moment you recorded it in the studio or the moment you thought of it? Where do you go? I remember the recording session to uh, to get that song. Uh, the, the rhythm is a little weird. Uh, it's almost like Start Me Up. Seen the lights go out on Broadway And the drummer I had at the time, Liberty DeVito Actually played the backwards rhythm Instead of He didn't get the rhythm right at first And it was kind of funny That we took us a while to you know, nail down What the right uh, rhythm was Do you get frustrated? Do you, do you say, shit, I wish I could play the drums Just say, I, I, Why do I have to rely on someone else to do this? I once in a while picked up a pair of sticks and, and hit the drums. You did, right. In other words, to say, hey, this is the way I want it done. That's what, this is how I hear it. Bang, bang, smash. I'm very primitive when it comes to the drums. And, and, and so, so it takes you back then to the recording session is what you're I saying. I think of that a lot often. What a song. And what about the, what are you putting on your voice with the, there's a, again that echo. See the lights there's something, there's something in the, who produced this one? I do. You did. Yeah. Did the record company say to you, Billy, don't be so full of yourself. Use a producer. You do enough on your own. Why don't you get another collaborator in there, get a producer? They didn't say it. I think they probably thought it. Right. 
at the time, I had been working uh, with a, a management company, Caribou Management, who was Jimmy Gershio. They had Chicago. They had the Beach Boys. They had all these big names. And I fired Jimmy Gershio. He wanted me to play with Elton's band. He goes, you're a piano player, so we'll put you together with Elton's band. I just, well, gee, what a novel idea that is. In other words, he didn't get you. No. When a guy me. says to you, I want to put you with Elton's band, it's like, oh, I can't work with you. He just wanted to make hit records no matter how they became a hit. He didn't care about the music aspect of it. It was about, okay, there's a commercial thought. I'll put you together with Elton's band and you'll have a hit. I don't, I don't want to have a hit like that. Were you scared out of your mind to produce your own record? Yes. The record we're talking about is called Turnstiles. Yeah. You had to be scared out of your mind. I was scared. Uh, I got to work with a good engineer at the time, John Bradley. He's a Long Island guy. Right. Uh, he lives somewhere in the North Shore, I think Huntington. And we did it at Ultrasonic Studios. We did some of it in Caribou Ranch in Colorado. Which, well, what am I doing at a freaking yeah, dude ranch? What are you doing at a dude ranch? I don't know. We, <laughs> it was very silly of us. Uh, going through your top five for me. Like all the locals here, Down Easter Alexa. Good song. Good song. Stormfront, 1989. And you're talking about the Long Island fishing community. Again, it's sort of a political song. It's a folk song. I always wanted to write a real folk song, uh, which is, you know, comes from, like, working people. Listen to that note you just hit. That's high. That's high. Yeah. Now that you're older, do you ever say, why did I write that so high? I think that all the time. You do? Yes. <laughs> I curse myself. <laughs> yeah, you go to Madison Square Garden, you got to hit those notes. Yeah. Who knew I'd be doing this at this age? Can you believe you're doing it at this age? No. It's it's incredible. What's I'm, what's the plan? In other words, we're, we're ending the garden as a residency, right? Right. When's that happen? That's in the summer. That's July. That's Last July. Year. At the garden. But that doesn't mean I'll never play at the garden again. It just means in this particular residency. yeah residency that will finish up the residency it's been 10 years what happened to um when is that document i sat for a documentary about you and i spoke about you for some time is that ever going to come out supposed to it is when is I, that happening i don't know i think they're still piecing it together no kidding this is going to be some documentary when it comes out because i mean they've been working on it a while yes they have yeah, yeah. yeah. it's pretty thorough and we're still there's we're still doing interviews with people and I'm still doing things for it, so. Uh, Billy's uh, singles, Turn the Lights Back On, available wherever music is sold. And uh, then, then, the, this is exciting, I think. Do you know about this? The 100th Billy Joel uh, concert at Madison Square Garden airs April 14th on CBS. That's uh, unusual. You're going to take one of your Madison Square Garden concerts and put it on CBS. We're gonna, the next show we do at, a, at Madison Square Garden, it will be that show, which is March. Will it be aired live? No. You know what? I don't know. I love that you don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. It's possible. Um, we're going to play live for the audience. It's sold out already. Yeah. Uh, so maybe... These tickets to your shows, you can't get them. It's unbelievable. I mean, you know, it does it bother you with the whole scalpers when they go out? Yes. And they, yeah, it does, right? Well, that's why we don't put the front rows on sale. Right. We always go have to send the guys out to the back of the room, bring up the real fans in the back. Yeah, and yeah. That, that's who we play to. Um, by the way, uh, our wives are here. Yes. Your beautiful wife is here, Alexis. Yes. My beautiful wife, Beth, is here. 
and they are requesting to come in and say hello. Okay. Boy, do, do we? This is. Can they like, bring some coffee with them? Uh, ladies, coffee. <laughs> yeah, it's hard this being up this early. I, uh, how long have I held you here? Oh shit! I should probably uh, wind this down. So we'll let the ladies say hello. I mean, I have a million more questions, but I'm not gonna. Hi, guys. First of all, I'm going to say, uh, Billy, I think... Um, hi, Beth. Hi, honey. Hi, sweets. Yeah. Happy Valentine's Day, boys. Yes. Thank you. And uh, we will have Valentine's Day later with our ladies. Is that correct? Yes. yes We're having dinner. Did you uh, do anything special for Valentine's Day? Are you going to make me look bad? Or uh, where? Where, where are you at with this? Did we do anything special? Not yet. No, but I think we mutually agree that we're not going to do anything special, so it's okay. Yeah. Flowers, you got to get. That's already done. It's done, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I checked that box myself. Alexis. You got coffee out there? Yeah, we'll get you coffee. Come on, guys. What are you doing? One Splendor and and half and half. How many songs does this guy have to write in order to uh, get a cup of coffee around here? What terrible hosts we are. We don't have his coffee? Alexis, what is it like as you watch your man play these songs? It's got to be insane. I wish I could impress Beth like this. Uh, <laughs> I, I really have no, no musical ability. Um, when, you know what? I, I, I'm sure you've told me. How did you meet Billy? And where did you meet Billy? Uh-oh. Here this is go. my first interview ever. Oh, good. Well, I want to get an exclusive. I'm here. It is my, I know. Thanks, Beth. And yes, yes. Um, it is definitely an exclusive. So we met at a restaurant in Huntington, actually. Uh-huh. I'm a Long Island girl, so right. I'm local. And I was at the bar. You were actually at the bar, Bill. But, um, as usual. Yeah. As usual. <laughs> Used to be, at least. Right. And then he went to dinner, and I was with my girlfriend. I just got back from Europe. And after his dinner, he came back to the bar and asked if I could drive him home. No, Billy, that is so bold. Uh, I just wait a second. Occurred to me. You just you walked up to Alexis and you said, uh, "Hello, uh, I'm Billy. I need a ride home." Uh, We talked for a while. And then she had her own group of people that she was with. I was with my own group of people. Right. And as I was ready to leave, I said, let me, let me just see if I can get a phone number. And, right. And, you know, maybe uh, I'll talk to her again. And I called her uh, on my cell phone. I was outside the restaurant. I said, can you give me a ride? Well, isn't that, you know, I don't care how big a rock star you are. I don't care how much money you have. Okay. That is the most vulnerable position for a guy to put himself in, is it not? Yeah, I hate being in that position. Because she could have said no. She could have said no. And then, you know, and then you're like, shit. Right? I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, I, I had a similar situation when I met Beth, the night I met Beth. She suggested I take a cab and this sent me on my way. That was it. Uh, really? No, 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 no. <laughs> but, but, but Alexis, uh, but there was something there. You said, okay, I'll give this guy a ride home. Well, he was local, so it wasn't right. a huge commitment at right. that time. And yeah. it, it, was Billy a gentleman, or did he immediately put the moves on you uh, to seal the deal? He waited till we got home, and then he tried to put the moves on. And were you demure? In other words, you're like, hey, I don't give a shit if you're Billy Joel. Kind of, yeah. yeah that could have been a big mistake. I mean, she could have missed out. I mean, Billy, you don't have a lot of time to waste, but uh, <laughs> you, you, pro- you probably respected that. Yes, I did. You did? Yes. You respected her? Yeah, I got a little fresh and... You did. didn't get anywhere. Didn't get anywhere. And we, we and and then uh, did you decide then and there that's it? No more Billy because he's getting a little fresh, or I'm gonna I'm gonna pursue this thing. Well, I kind of had him pegged, I think, um, 
what you would picture and he was going to try something and I figured if he tries something it's not going to go well I'm probably never going to see him or hear from him again it wasn't what I was really looking for so we ended up just staying in touch and he was gone I think for the next maybe six weeks so it forced us to get to know each other and then we went out when he got back I see and I would think for any woman on Long Island, it, it, it's a it's a big decision because Billy is so famous and so uh, you know beloved. You're like, am I going to get lost in his shadow? Is that correct? Is that the yeah, dilemma? Yeah, I very I was working, right? And my job at that time, um, I don't think would have been a fan of uh-huh. me being in the press with him so i very much wanted to keep my job and wanted to keep it quiet and that was kind of the reason why everything i did with him and i've never done an interview was because i like my anonymity i like going to whole foods and walking the aisles of the supermarket and all of that kind of stuff so i've really stayed out of the spotlight a lot well i'm going to say something i billy and alexis i do get to see the two of you in action sometimes and and how you respond to each other as a couple and i have to say i think you guys are beautiful together i think billy how often do we say this honey about billy and alexis being like really perfect for each other all the time and we're and Mm -hmm. because i knew billy before i knew you i was like man i'm really happy for billy because i think billy has found happiness and i think he found a real partner in life and i and i'm really moved by your relationship with alexis i truly am i think i think it's terrific thank you and and us too i mean we love you guys and that was not easy for me because you guys have known him for a long time and been there you know through all different parts of his life so you guys welcomed me with open arms and i really appreciate it when billy wrote the new song does he bring it to you and says all right alexis uh, i'm going to sit down and play this for you does he does he play it for you live in person i actually got video of him in the recording studio because i feel like freddie kind of tricked you into that no oh yeah yeah <laughs> what do you mean freddie tricked billy i didn't think i was going to sing the song I, you know, I recognized that uh, they were doing a recording session, and I was thinking of Adele singing it. I'm there with them at the studio, and Freddie's going, all right, the mic is set up, go in and sing. And I said, I ain't going to go in and sing. Right. Huh? I, I had no intention of doing it. I came over there on my motorcycle. I was just going to hang out with the guys in their studio. Are you still riding that Fakakta motorcycle? Yeah. You are? Yeah. I, why are you doing, Alexis, what do you think No, of he's not, honestly, you're not really riding that much. Once in a while, I, once in a blue moon yeah. I ride. Yeah. I don't like I it. I, trust me, I am not a fan, but I, and I'm not even so much worried about him. It's just the traffic and all the other drivers. It's really scary. No, it is, it is, it, it's very scary. I don't take any chances. I, I'm very, especially now that we have two little ones. Yes, and this especially is, your hands are your lively. Look, what is the song you said that the uh, piano is like percussion? Was it Angry uh, Angry Young Man when you do that that stick? Play a little. You got to have your thumbs for that. What's the matter with you? It's like playing the drums. It, it is. It's like wipeout. It is wipeout. Essentially, wipeout. Is that what you were channeling when you wrote yes. that? Yes, you yeah. were channeling wipeout. Yes, because we used to play it on the school desk. Yeah. See? Yeah. You got it. Were you the, um, in other words, uh, they say the piano is a percussion instrument. That's correct. I don't understand that at all. No, it's not. You strike a piano. The way you hit it is like a drum. 
It's, it's you move your fingers the way you would on bongos. It's oh. and it's all rhythmic and uh, you got 88 keys, so your hands got to be, you know, pretty active. Uh, guitar, you you know, you have to create the chord with your left hand. With the piano, it's all laid out there, but you got to p- strike the thing. You got to hit it. What's an example of one of your songs? This is me trying to get you to play. An example of one of your songs where the percussion... In other words, you're using the piano as a percussive instrument. That's an example. Or... uh That dictates the rhythm. Boom, boom, bop, bop, boom, boom, bop, or... That's a drum. That's a drum. Wow. Bang, bang, bang. You create a rhythm. You create a, a whole pattern with, hey, with rhythm. Billy, I don't want to forget, because I know I'm running out of time. I just don't want to forget to ask you this. You were the musical guest on Saturday Night Live when when um, Chevy Chase and Bill Murray got into a fight. Yes. Like a physical fist fight. Yeah, we were there. You, When you say you were there, did you see that go down? Oh, yeah. We were standing with them. When Wait it a happened. second. I got to hear this story. This <laughs> is the best. Hold on a second. Never mind uh, how you met. We'll get back to that. Um, uh, you're, you're there. And what, we, what songs were you doing on Saturday Night Live? Do you remember what you were going to play? We were going to do Just the Way You Are. And the other one was, I think, supposed to be moving out, but we decided to do only the good Die Young, which got um, what's his name pissed off. Who? You know the producer. Um, oh, Lorne Michaels. Lorne Michaels. What do you mean, Lorne Michaels was pissed that you were going to do only the good Die Young? No, he was pissed that we were supposed to do moving out, and we decided to do only the good Die Young. Because in his mind, uh, moving out is a better song than only the good Die Young. It was what was agreed to, because because only the good Die Young was very controversial at the time. Oh. Oh, so oh, because uh, Catholic girls or yeah, all that, all that kind of. It's so crazy, all of that stuff. Oh, so were you? Were you like, hey, fuck you? I'm Billy Joel, and uh, no, I'm- I wasn't. Fuck you. It's just like let's do only the good. It was just you know, what the heck? Let's just do it. <laughs> did you do it to piss off the producer? No, we did it because we wanted to. I don't understand that. That's a, no. It's, you have a smile on your face. There's well, more to it. TV doesn't always mix with music the right way. That is the truth. Why can't they get the sound right on television? Because it's all about what you see. It's all about the visual. The, 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 the tube is this big thing and the speaker is this tiny little thing. So it's usually the last thing that's considered is sound. Uh, but we're all about sound. It drives me crazy. Me too. I, I don't even like how they film or, or video bands when they're on stage. Hey, if, Billy, I, if Billy Joel's playing the piano, I want to see you playing the piano. I understand. Yeah. Right? How, they, how they're directing the camera. When we, I, I sang the national anthem at the Super Bowl. Right. So we're all set up. Here we are. This is like, I don't know, 15 years ago. And I'm about to sing the national anthem. Oh, say, can you see? And all of a sudden, the sound... Is gone. I can't hear the piano. The monitors weren't turned on. The camera was on me, and they go four, three, two, one, go. And I'm trying to hear me. All the monitors were gone. I didn't hear anything. I just heard the echo slap back. I'll try singing to that. What kicks in at that point? All the years of experience that you've had. In other words, you go, fuck it. I can get through this, but yes. man, it's going to be difficult. Yes. Just put your head down and do it. When you saw it back, were you like those son of a bitches? They, 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 they screwed me. They screwed it up. And then the people thought I was using, uh, 
auto tune right. to get in into pitch. I wasn't. I don't use auto tune. No, well, let's get that straight. I never use auto tune. I don't need no goddamn auto tune. Absolutely. Do you? Do you? Are you somewhat annoyed by auto tune in a way? It's. Uh... I think if you need it, you shouldn't. You're in the wrong business. <laughs> would you? Would, would so? So is that why to this day you've never done the halftime show at the Super Bowl? I won't do the halftime show. Because of that incident? No, not because of that. Because it's more of a like a Las Vegas extravaganza. You got to have fireworks and dancing girls and choreography and blah, blah, blah. And 50,000 people running around the stage. That's not what we do. We did just you, play music. Did you watch the Super Bowl? Yes. You know, because like I, I have nothing against Usher. I think he's uh, lovely and I think he's a very talented man. But I don't know. I, when I see everyone's dancing and yes. rollerblading. And they, 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 I, I go, yeah, I like, I'm an old fart. I want to see. Billy Joel at the piano playing with a drummer and a sax player. Yeah, it's it's a big circus. Uh, essentially, it's not really the music; it's the visual. So, what happened? You're there at Saturday Night Live. Are you playing and and rehearsing? And these two dudes start beating the shit out of each other. We were backstage. They were having some kind of meeting backstage before the show starts, and all of a sudden, uh, Bill Murray. Bill Murray gets into a fight with Chevy Chase. Chevy was kind of being overbearing. And everybody was pissed off at Chevy. And Jay Curtin's walking around. God damn it. You know, fuck him. And this is going on right before the show is about to begin. We're like, these people are crazy. They're going to go do a TV <laughs> show now? And all of a sudden... Uh, Bill was, Murray? Uh, I think, was it Belushi? Oh, or Belushi. Somebody said something. And Chevy says something. Why don't you go screw your wife? And then Bill Murray goes to punch him. And we're like, this is, they're going to go on TV like in three seconds. Oh, this is right before we're Right on. before they go on. And we're like, these guys are crazy. We think we're crazy. Yeah. These people are nuts. Oh, my God. Have yeah. you ever gotten into a fist fight with a band member? With a band member? No. What are you thinking about? You've been in fist fights. I've been in fist fights, but not with a band member. Who were you in a fist fight with? Oh, a bunch of people when I was in school. Oh, yeah. Well, I, you were a boxer. I used to box. Yeah, you knew what you were doing. The fuck? That's a crazy story with Chevy Chase. I mean, I mean, that is crazy. Well, the whole show, everybody was cursing him backstage while he was doing all these skits with everybody, and they'd walk away from this kid. Son of a bitch! And this was all, this this whole imagine. vibe was happening through the whole show. Oh, it must it was weird. I wish I could have seen that. Um, Alexis, I noticed that Billy is still vaping with that vape pen, and I don't want him vaping. I don't want him smoking anything because of his voice. I want him to f maintain his voice for the rest of his life. Um, where are we at with the vape pen? Is it healthier? I don't think it's healthier, but, I mean, you have to have that conversation with him. I've had it multiple times. How many times have you had the conversation with Billy about well, the... We went from cigarettes right. to cigars. Right. Stopped cigars, went back to cigars, inhaled cigars, and now we're at the vape pen. So I'm kind of thinking that it's the better of the right. previous, but... I was inhaling the cigars. Yeah, that was bad. Crazy. Oh, isn't that the truth? I was a cigarette smoker as well, and I decided I was going to smoke cigars because it would be better for me. I started inhaling the yes. cigar. I can't not inhale. Right. That's part of the, th the whole thrill. Doesn't it drive you nuts when you watch a TV show and the guy's smoking and he doesn't inhale? Oh, you can see it. If, you, if you've been a smoker, yeah. <laughs> you know when he's faking it. <laughs> yeah, this is the worst. Yeah. Um, oh, and before, and listen, I have one last question because I know I'm running late. I'm watching, did you watch the documentary on Netflix of We Are the World? No, I haven't seen it. You got to watch it. I mean, it's so great to see you in there with this 
you know, Michael Jackson, Lionel Richie. But it's so wild to me. There were moments in there that I go crazy, and you were there for it. I mean, you were yeah. there. First of all, was there any doubt you were going to go? Because I know when you talk to management, and they say, hey, Michael Jackson wants to do a song and everything. And you go, what the fuck is this song? My career's going pretty well. I don't really need to be a part of this. What convinces you to do We Are the World? I was going to be in L.A. anyway, because it was one of those business weeks. It was Grammys and right. blah, 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 awards, yada, yada, yada. So I was going to be in town. I said, what the hell? This, this could be fun. Right. Nobody knew what the song was going to be. I'm standing next to Cindy Lauper, and now we're all being filmed while all this is going on. And she's leaning over me going, this song sounds like a Pepsi commercial. <laughs> so that's all I'm thinking of now. I'm, we're doing a Pepsi commercial. And the funny things happen. Like, Bob Dylan was shy to sing on his own. So Stevie Wonder comes out and is telling Bob how to sing like Bob Dylan. We are the world. We are the children. <laughs> and, and Dylan's like, okay, I think I can do that. I mean, this funny stuff was happening. Well, they have video of that happening, and they show it in this documentary. Oh, they did show and, it. And Stevie's playing the piano and singing to Bob Dylan, and Bob Dylan's appreciative because he's, like, lost. He, he didn't know what to do. He was shy to yeah. sing on his own with everybody else. But Stevie wanted teaching Bob Dylan to sing like Bob Dylan. was. That was a moment. And, and, and you're watching all this. Was it a magical night? for you only not in the sense of the song but in the sense of like getting a hang with that many musicians in one yeah, room it was a fun thing bruce and i uh, uh you know we knew each other uh, and we you'll if you'll you look at the when everybody's singing together sometimes bruce and i are in the chorus and sometimes we're not because there was a big pile of deli sandwiches on the other side <laughs> of the room yeah. and we kept going to get over to get a beer and a sandwich and then sometimes i'm there and sometimes i'm not sometimes he's there and sometimes he's not and were you getting annoyed as the night went on i mean i know musicians are used to staying up late but it was dragging on and at one point stevie wonder said he wanted to sing the song in swahili yeah and 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 everyone looked like Waylon Jennings got up and walked out. They they showed that he just said, "I'm not singing in Swahili." Yeah, the Swahili thing didn't swing with no, everybody. No. No. <laughs> what a night! Well, listen, listen, what a morning, Alexis. I don't know what it's like to sleep with Billy Joel, but I'm going to find out. I'm going <laughs> to thank him for this morning by sleeping, actually, with him. That's what's going to happen. Well, you can come over after dinner. Yeah, I'll, I'll take care of business. No, right. but in all seriousness. That's going to be we... some Valentine's Day for Billy. Billy, you're going to get a Valentine. I love when you come in here because I could, I, I literally could go on for another, you know, 17 Yeah, years. I like doing these things with you. You're good. I, I love it, too. And uh, It's Billy... so much fun for me just to listen to you two. It's a really great conversation to be, uh, you know, to eavesdrop on it's a real treat and uh you know there have been times where billy and alexis i've been lucky enough to have them over to the house and we have dinner at four o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> we love it. and billy and i'll be sitting there talking as men will do you know we we sit there and uh, uh a lot of time i mean we don't talk about music really but uh we just talk about life talk about getting older yeah getting older's a bitch oh my god it's not for sissies no. No wimps allowed. You know, music saved your life, but uh, Beth saved mine because uh, this would not be going well because I, uh, uh, it's hard. I don't like getting older like this. It's tough. I consider the alternative. Yeah, right. That's bad. so true. And and I first of all, I want to thank Alexis and Billy so much because uh, they've been very, very good friends to Beth and myself. And supportive of my rescue work all yeah, these yeah. years. I can never forget 
how supportive you guys, both of you, were uh, around Beth's, uh, uh, you know, saving of animals. I know, Billy, you're a huge animal lover, and Alexis, you are too. And uh, you guys really stepped up because we got that whole wing of North Shore Animal League uh, built with your help. And That's a great place. Incredibly generous. And, and then for my 50th birthday, they gave, um, Billy and Alexis um, donated, and, and there's a room in my name, and there's so many lives being saved in that room. I just visited it last week, and so it brings me to tears. So it, thank you for that. It really, it was insane. I mean, that was some birthday gift. I mean. It was a, it was a huge donation. And it you was guys, our honor. Well, you're very generous, and you, and you saved a lot of our four-legged friends. Nothing's cuter than when Billy and Alexis come over and Howard and I go to the foster room and they're all playing oh with all gosh. the kittens. <laughs> we take the kids and they play with the kittens. Yeah, it's really great. cute. Uh, yes, our kids are obsessed with your kitten room. Your kids think my house is Disneyland. They come in, they're playing with cats and <laughs> yes. rabbits. They take over. Have yeah. they met the rabbits yet? Wait till they see yeah. that. Yeah, oh, they they've met yeah. 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 yeah, the bunnies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, they're sweet kids and, uh, you know, it's uh, it's got to be hard to raise uh, kids when they're when there's that much fame around and that much success. How do you what, have you are you dealing with anybody on that? Do you talk to like a shrink or somebody and say how do we deal with Billy's success? I think we talk about that daily, Bill. Yes. I mean, right now we don't have a nanny, and we kind of wanted to take a step back and just kind of be with our kids for a while. We didn't realize we'd be traveling this much, but um, yeah, it's a struggle every day because you need help you're traveling you're going different places and yet you want your kids to be grounded but do you guys find a lot of kids want to get friendly in a really bad way with your kids so they can get to come over and meet billy and all of that do you see any of that happening not really no, no i haven't yet an issue yet nah. yet we'll see but who knows they all want phones and they want iPads and they want to get online. And Where are you at with that, Billy? Uh, I'm scared about it. Alexis, what do you think? When it's a the- hard no, because the first thing they want to do is Google themselves. Right. And that just opens Pandora's box to terrible things. So. They're already learning the bad words. And- yeah. That, thanks to you, Uncle Howard. We, um... <laughs> What? They turned on your radio show a couple times, and what? now it's Uncle Howard and his hundred bad words. Is what they call it. How could you guys allow? I'm going to call social services. How could you allow those children to hear this show when I'm talking about my duty? We listen to your show all the time. Well, listen. I know, and they text Aunt Beth they without do. me knowing. So yeah, that was weird. Beth got a text from the kids the other day. Uh, right? Yeah, well, I thought it was her. <laughs> you thought it was Alexis. Hey, can we come over and play with the kittens? And I wrote back, of course, whenever you want. Just let me know. Just give me a day's notice. And then then was radio silence. And then an hour later, she <laughs> texted me. Del- was it Della or Remy? Remy, I Remy think stole so. my phone and was texting Re- you. <laughs> Remy's using the, 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 I mean, she's already committing subterfuge. But listen, uh, there's a lot of excitement here. Billy Single, turn the lights back on, available wherever music is sold the 100th billy joel madison square garden airs april 14th on cbs i will be tuned in for that that should be great and um yeah and and also you can hear billy on sirius xm's the bridge channel 27 all the time every once in a while you you end up with a billy joel channel then you take it away then you bring it back but i mean uh that's a lot of fun too have i hit everything anybody want to say anything alexis billy anything that. Are you guys coming to a show before it's over at the garden? Yes, we are. Oh, good. Don't ask what's going on with that. I don't. Okay. I better not say anything. I don't even know if you know about it, Billy. I don't. No, you don't? I don't either. No. Should I tell that story? Blame Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. 
is a maniac. You know that. <laughs> yes, I know. We know. <laughs> most talented maniac, but, ta- but maniac. He calls me incessantly and says, we've got you and I, meaning Jimmy and me, we have to go to Billy's final show and we're going to get up and we're going to do a Beatles song together. I go, what the fuck is wrong with you? I don't, I don't sing and I don't play anything. And he goes, no, it's going to be the greatest thing ever. <laughs> and Billy's going to... I said, has Billy asked you for this? <laughs> he goes, no. I go, well, what makes you think Billy wants me up there doing a Beatles song? You could do it. No, no, I can't. <laughs> yes, you can. No, you can I pull can't. it up. Absolutely. I even went as far as to take a guitar lesson. And he wants to play Revolution. I can't, I can't even bar the fucking chords. I mean, forget <laughs> it. It's, it's impossible. No, you have the whole audience singing along, and you'll uh, be lost in the mix. Don't worry about it. When Alexis and uh, Beth get up there with me and sing, I'll, uh, <laughs> That's I'll do not it. not My kids no. have done it. The kids came up. I saw the that kids. So the kids cute. were good. That was really cute. Yeah. And I saw Jimmy. Jimmy was actually fabulous. He got up and did a Rolling Stone he song. He start me up. Start me up, yeah. yeah. He was great. He is a bundle of talent. So we will go to the last show. Of course we're going Whether to you perform or not, we're going to the last show. No, I'm not performing. Uh, that's the pressure's the on for that guitar teacher. Yeah, oh, my God. Ah. <laughs> Meanwhile, they gave me the hookup for your guitar teacher. Yeah, they right. Called, yeah. Uh, you, gave, you, gave me, you gave me the name of You're the going up. If you're there, I'm calling you up. No, you're not. <laughs> yes, I'm not. No, you're not. You'll be in big trouble. All right. Listen. Oh, and my friend from fourth grade said, please remind Billy of this great lyric. From the entertainer. But if I go cold, I won't get sold. I'll get put in the back in the discount rack like another can of beans. My friend sits. He, I said, that is a great lyric. It's the dilemma of every musician. God forbid I go cold and end up in the discount rack. Knock, knock. Who's there? Terrence Trent. Terrence oh. Trent who? There's the music business. Oh, my God. And we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Billy. <laughs> uh, thank you for doing this. I love you for doing this. Thank you. And I love you for all the years of music. Your music means so much to me and to my audience. So thank you. And thanks for being so much fun. Congratulations on the new song. Thank you. That's right. Thanks a lot for doing that after 30 years. And uh, and, uh, and, uh, Alexis, God bless you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you, Howard. And honey, happy Valentine's Day. All right. And we'll be back next day. Happy Valentine's Day, Billy.